Ladies and gentlemen, AK fans and aficionados, it is here, it is time. Season 2, episode 12, the finale of the Talking Lead AK Corner, presented by Century Arms. It has arrived. Dun, dun, dun. This is a, a topic, this episode, something I've been wanting to do for a while, and uh, just kind of been holding off until we found the right person to join us, the right expert. And uh, thanks to Brian and Jay, we were able to find that, that gentleman. So before we introduce him, I want to uh, go ahead and introduce my co-host, who's been with me through every episode except one. Got our, our good buddy, Brian Keeney with Occam Defense Solutions. Brian, welcome in. Hey, guys. Great to be here again. Yes, sir. And uh, Brian is a bit in a rush, but we're not going to rush the show because we started earlier. He uh, His significant other has a birthday today, so happy birthday to Mrs. Occam Defense. Well, I'm sure she'll appreciate that. Any uh, leadheads who are also 1775 customers sending her birthday well wishes, I'm sure would make her day at admin at OccamDefense.com. It's going to be a little delayed, but she likes belated gifts. So rock on to those of you who uh, who know her already as the administrator. She does all our, our you know uh, customer service and sales management and all that and keeps us from being disgusting dudes in the shop. Keeps you on point and in check, and especially when you're on my show. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Yeah, no, so you know, we thank her for that. She's, she's never listened to an episode, and I want to keep it that way, because if she knew what my potty mouth was on, <laughs> yeah. Well, you do, you do very well. And last episode, uh, if you guys hadn't had an opportunity, go back to our regular Talking Lead episode, uh, 362, I believe it was. We had Brian, and we had the League of Pirates on. And we just kind of had a, uh, a venting session with what all is going on with our country and the world here lately. And uh, you, you guys seem to have liked it. I've been getting nothing but, but great feedback. And we'll probably do another similar show. There was a lot of stuff that we, were go- we, you know, we wanted to get into, but we didn't. And we uh, probably got enough for four or five more episodes of that content. So we'll, we'll do that again, Brian. Awesome. I had a lot of fun and uh, appreciate all the positive feelings on it. Also joining us and also sharing uh, a birthday this month with uh, Mrs. Occam Defense, we've got our good buddy, AK uh, Guru, we call him, none other than my good friend, Drew. Drew, welcome in. What's up, Leadheads? Good to be back. Um, as always on the AK Corner. Uh, my fav- my favorite of the Talking Lead podcast for sure, uh, but good to be on and uh, hope this going to be this looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting and informative episode. It is just like our last AK Corner, which was the brainchild of Drew, where we talked about uh, the AK and its its bad guy stigmatism, where we did some deep diving into some uh, some history of the AK. We went and did some pop culture, movies, music, TV. And I'm still getting feedback from you guys on that, too, on your favorite movies that featured the AK. Um, did any more come to mind after that show that you wished you had talked about or had mentioned? We probably should have talked a little more about Missing in Action. Yeah, the Chuck, but, uh, uh, the Chuck but, Norris? 
Yeah, but, you know, those movies suck in comparison to, like, you know, the Rambos. Um, you know, we, we discussed it after the show, Marty, but, yeah, I think we probably could have spent a little more time on uh, on, on the Missing in Action series of films. But, uh, <laughs> we actually... That, I think... I think we covered all the main ones. We actually watched one after we recorded that, and uh, we were like, you know, this isn't how I remembered it. <laughs> it's not as good as I actually remembered <laughs> it being. Yeah. But, you know, still still a part of pop culture for sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So um, that brings us to our special guest this episode, our special guest uh, expert, where we're going to be talking about the markings on an AK-47, the magazines, how to decipher those markings, what they mean, where to where to find them, where they're located. Uh, and like I was saying earlier, uh, Jay and Brian brought this gentleman to my attention in his company. And Brian, I'll let you do the intro. Yeah, so I met this gentleman maybe five or six years ago um, in Tennessee, and uh, we immediately hit it off. And um, he uh, is a former public servant, firefighter, EMS, warrior, um, you know, overseas and here for us and um, is currently out of all that and doing a bunch of cool, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors. And we're a customer of his for all of our laser engraving. Um, he has a, a fantastic line of um, warrior art and has a, a real, um, he's a legit artist, although I don't think he would describe him that way but his art is beautiful and um he manages to put it into metal which is is quite a feat and um he also has a real um love of the iconography um you know the symbols and the markings that go with cyrillic stuff and what I, I don't know which one of us hates communism more me or james but uh you know, that's a good contest to try and win. And so neither <laughs> one of us are, are fans of, of anything having to do with communism other than some of the art and the AK that came out of it. And uh, so um, he loves history as well. He's got a really he should we should get him in for one of the rap sessions on politics because he has some really interesting insights there as well. OK, uh, we'll do that. And so where he uh, where I see his awesomeness um, showing through the most is when he, you know, these arts and politics and and guns all come together into one place and um so his company his latest endeavor here factory 47 is uh um dedicated to all of that all the markings and and the iconography and and art of the of the ak and and uh com block stuff in general so uh james bialchek is our guest today what's up everybody thanks for having me james it's a pleasure to have you on thank you so much for Agreeing to do the show, uh, especially with us never meeting before, so uh, I mean that's a big leap of faith on your on your end. So thank you <laughs> for that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who's been telling you the word expert though. I think it's Brian. I don't know what's with that. <laughs> Making me nervous. Well, I'm just looking at your website, you know, and the the factory 47. It's F A K O O R Y factory 47, and um. For the topic, I mean, it seems like you're you're nailing it with, uh, you know, the emblems and logos and things that you have on your hats and your shirts and your your mugs. So yeah, I I think that I definitely have read too many books and geeked out on it. <laughs> so, it's a, it's a very cool thing. I, I think that's one of the draws of the AK platform, though. It's obviously a very quality 
weapons platform and you know it's well known for its durability and things like that but when you start looking at it from like the 2020 perspective there's a lot of history there a lot of story to it and when you pick up you know an ak and there's a proof mark or an inspection stamp somewhere it's who touched that where where was it made what's its story how did it end up right here right now today and so there's a really rich culture that follows that and i think that's what kind of draws me in any ways and like brian was touching on with you know i am a fan of history and and i i do like art and when you kind of bring those things together on a magnificent platform like the ak there's just so much uh, you know substance to that and i think that's you know one of those things that probably draws a lot of people and that's kind of where factory 47 came from was taking that passion and turning it into apparel and letting people go you know sport the different factories or, or you know things that they like and they enjoy so i'm definitely a student of it but i've i've definitely I, w- I would say i've learned a lot over the last couple of years as i've pursued it yeah so talk about how how you got into you know the ak what um, really drew you to the ak and what I, actually stands out as you know your favorite aspect of it like any any american guy i think or, or a gal you know it Growing up, uh, especially I'm in central Montana, I grew up out here. So, you know, there's always, you know, the guns are around. The thing. So what were Liberty's, you doing in Tennessee? I want to interrupt you there, but Brian said he training. met you in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, training. Yeah, I, uh, I entered the training world. Actually, that might have been one of my first uh, first classes or class weeks, maybe. Let maybe me guess, Camden? It was Camden, There you yes. go. And so yeah, here. Uh, I had entered the training world at that time. And prior to that, I was I was always into obviously guns and and you know liberty and and I always viewed them as an instrument of liberty first and foremost. But um, you know like the next guy watching you know a Steven Seagal movie or something like oh I'm gonna go get another cool gun or whatever. Um, and I got into you know modifying and then you know painting them before that was the cool thing to do. And um, mostly for practical though I was going for like camos and trying to make things a little more practical. Didn't have any clue what I was doing and. Uh, Eventually, years later, I decided to start taking some classes. But, uh, but to back up, and that's how I met Brian, but to back up to what we had mentioned uh, or what you'd asked about the uh, why I kind of was drawn to the AK, mm-hmm. I, I'd always been an AR first kind of guy. That's like, that was the go-to, the home plate. And for right. two really, really big reasons for me. One was the ability to carry the ammo. It was really hard you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago to put a bunch of really bent mags on your kit. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, before I was in a training, I had the idea and perception that I needed, you know, eight mags stacked on my chest and as many as I could put on a belt as I could and maybe a backpack full. And AK mags were hard to do. It wasn't until I started training, I realized that's not feasible. And um, pouches today are very different. You don't have to unvelcro and unbutton everything to get a mag out. Um, a lot of these like taco style pouches, you can do an AR or AK Magnum very simply, and you can run and gun right out of that. So that problem is now eliminated and really wasn't a problem, bef- you know, until I, or after I started training and really realized, you know, how to use this stuff. The second thing was, uh, the ability to mount certain things to your rifle back in the day, it was put everything on it that you think is cool and looks cool. And that's that. But, um, really like. A flashlight is a is a major piece of equipment to want to put on a rifle, and you don't want that in a place that's going to cause problems um, or, or limit you in any way. So that's been kind of a tough thing with the AK platform. And mm-hmm. of course, Brian, 
solves that problem. You know, there's there's modern technologies that have advanced the pro or the platform. So it's not as big of a, a thing. But prior to that, I was always an AR first guy. So um, the AK always drew me. I loved it. I loved the the durability of it, the reliability of it. I think they're unique, but I didn't give them a lot of looks until about five years ago for those reasons. Once I did, the history drew me in. That would be the single thing that really like, damn, these things are used and they've been used in every conflict, every war since they like what, 1949. There's a reason, you know, there's, there's a reason and they work. And, uh, yeah, then I of course took them in, into some of these classes and I can tell you it's a, it's quite a treat. And that's why I call you an expert. So <laughs> oh. you got, oh, you, you've got, you got some very deep history and, uh, experience with the AK. So, uh, compared to me, you're an expert now. Oh, geez. now Andrew can go probably toe to toe with you on, on some things. Uh, I consider Andrew an expert as well. And, and of course we all know Brian is, uh, Brian knows his stuff <laughs> left and right, backwards and forwards. So, um, that's why that's why I wanted to have you on for this this episode, the markings, and um, it's I think yeah, it's, I think it's going to be fun, and I think you know we probably could get several episodes out of this, so we're just going to kind of go high level on this episode, uh, even though this is the season two finale, um, you know it gives us more to talk about and look forward to in season three, and big thanks to Century Arms for making season two possible. Uh, all the support that they've given the show through uh, the swag, through um, the expertise that they've provided for the show. And um, speaking of this show, uh, talking about swag and giveaways, I think our listeners are going to be very pleased with what Adam has come up with, Andrew, for a giveaway for this episode. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be giving away uh, uh, one of our 100% U.S.-made Visca rifles. There you go. The, the the Visca from Century Arms, U.S.-made AK-47, is going to be going to one of you lucky leadheads. And, of course, you know how we do that. Uh, we go through and we look who has participated and um, uh, been supporting the show. And we made a post prior to this. And we got a lot of participation and feedback and comments. So we'll be going through that pool on Instagram and Facebook uh, to, to pick one of our winners. And then uh, also uh, we've got Factory 47. James has generously yeah. put up three swag packages uh, that he's going to put together. And we're going to pick three of you lead heads uh, to win that as well. So. My single favorite product of Factory 47 is a tumbler that James uh, duracoats to look exactly like a uh, spam can with <laughs> nice. markings and everything. And uh, even if you guys don't win one, they are worth the price of admission. And uh, yeah, a very cool product. Yeah. I mean, so I've hopefully, already. Hopefully, James can be convinced to tuck one of those into the swag bags. I've already jumped down the uh, rabbit hole uh, on his website, and uh, there's several things that I've been eyeing on there too: the caps, the shirts, the hoodies, the the mugs. Uh, so, and and there may be some special things coming from James. He and I are talking, and uh, there may be some new things that he's going to be adding to his website. So we'll we'll see how that works out. Yeah, it'll work out. Oh, We're yeah. always adding new stuff. 
<laughs> you got to come back to that site often. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also our presenting sponsors for season two uh, definitely could not have done this without the help of Occam Defense Solutions. Brian Keeney and the crew there uh, have been with us, like I said, just about every single episode. Just missed the one, but they were still with us in spirit. Uh, putting up swag and giveaways and expertise, dropping knowledge bombs left and right. And, of course, Brian also helps us out on the regular show, uh, the Talking Lead podcast. Uh, so, Brian, thank you guys for that, and um, looking forward to continuing this with you as well. Well, thanks. We really do appreciate the support of the Leadheads. A lot of our customers are Leadheads. And um, so thank you to all you guys, and thank you to Marty for helping us grow here. I think we announced the 1775 as as a pre-order kind of concept on your Thanksgiving show a little over two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's been a, you know, kind of a straight line ramp up from there and couldn't have done it without you guys either. So thanks to everybody. And then of course, uh, Red Army Standard, U.S. Palm, Canic USA, uh, all contributing there as uh, supporting sponsors. And then jumping on toward the uh, tail end of Season 2, uh, we were fortunate enough to get IWIUS, Jeremy Gresham there, and uh, he joined us for a couple of episodes as well. And uh, we're going to continue that relationship with them. Uh, the outpouring that we had from you guys on wanting to do a show on the Uzi. Uh, so if we're in talks about doing that. Uh, it'll probably be like a little mini little mini-series on the Uzi. We'll probably do two or three uh, episodes on that, too. So, Founded in 2012, IWIUS is the USA-based subsidiary of Israel Weapon Industries Limited of Ramat Hasharon, Israel. The IWIUS line of products includes the Tavor X95, the Uzi Pro pistol and SMG, the Galil Ace line of firearms, and the belt-fed Negev line of light machine guns. IWI's mission is to bring the highest quality firearms with real world proven reliability to the U.S. commercial and law enforcement market. IWI U.S. are proud sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner and the Lead Head Brigade. Check us out at www.iwi.us and on social media under IWI U.S. Some stuff in the works there with them as well. So make sure you go and show love to all the companies and people that have made this show possible this uh, season two for the AK Corner, uh, even our guests, as you're listening to them, go to their websites, go to their social medias, and just show appreciation. Let them know how much you appreciate them being on. And uh, I know there's always questions. You know, we don't answer everything. We don't cover everything in the shows, but we try to get as much as we can. Uh, but they are always willing to, uh, you know, answer questions that are lingering for you guys. So that said, let's get into this. Let's get into uh, how to identify AKs from those unique markings that you see on there. You know, what the hell do those mean? And, uh, you know, where can I find them? So uh, I think think the best place to start, you know, let's go with the operational markings. Like the the sites, the uh, the, uh, selectors. Uh, the ones that are functional markings. Let's go over those first real quick, and then we'll get into those other um, obscure markings there. All right, yeah. On uh, And sites are actually kind of my weak spot. Um, on, on sites, for example, I know that 
the weakest spot I guess I'd have is the site leaf is graduated out to eight or a thousand. And that varies by country. And that is the first kind of thing you're going to obviously see is if it's one or the other, that gives you an indication that groups you down into one of two groups of countries. And what those countries are is my rusty spot. And no, uh, like Hungarian and I believe Romanian are going to be uh, out to a thousand. So, and there's probably some others in there. Again, I'm kind of weak on that. The next thing to look at on that site is down on the. Uh, and left those side, numbers are meters. It's 800 and 1,000 meters. So, as you're looking at those, those site apertures, it's not yards, it's meters. Yeah, that's a good point. People would. Think thousand yard AK, sweet. <laughs> I'll buy this one. And I, no, I think uh, Brian probably knows a little bit more about the the sites than either one of us. Brian, you want to? Well, yeah, I think you guys, you guys are doing a good job. There are certain ones that go, I think, only to three that might be on some of the pistols, like maybe the Draco or some of those shorter guys there they'll only be graduated a little bit in recognition that there's just no way you're getting out that far um occasionally on some of them there's a cyrillic like i think it looks like a b if i remember right or there's some symbol and it just means your battle zero or zero position it's a p uh, on some of them um yeah so the p i believe is uh that's that's polish right yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, i have that actually up um Hold on, I can tell you. That's fine. And the, the Cyrillic will be, of course, your Russian. And when you say Cyrillic, what does that mean? It'll uh, it'll look like a like an N, only kind of a goofy. It might have a little curly Q on the bottom of left of it. Right. It'll look like a almost like a cursive N, maybe. And this is one uh, of the reasons why I kind of put this show off too. Is like, how do I best do something that's it's kind of a visual? So. You know, we kind of gotta we kind of gotta visually paint people a picture of these these symbols too. Marty on Cyrillic, like the actual like what is Cyrillic? It, that's basically Russian characters. Like like we have a an English alphabet. Cyrillic would be like the characters in the Russian alphabet. Good good point. Or Slavic alphabet is better. I yeah. Yeah. So the the Cyrillic letter would mean the same thing in the English letter if you matched the two, and you'll see that again when we do. Uh, like the selector markings and some of that stuff. So the the languages mean the same thing. They're just going to be different because of those countries. Yeah. Um, one just while we're geeking out on alphabets, um, one thing that I've come to realize in the last couple of years is um, that just like we have a bunch of handwritten fonts and different styles, like even cursive cursive there's there's more than one font in cursive handwriting like the coca-cola font you know copper plate is one word for that and in cyrillic the same thing is true and so i've had the the requirement um to translate some old russian documents that were handwritten and that won't line up at all with the keyboard fonts um in a way that is like really hard it's really hard to tease out like a cyrillic in handwritten cyrillic t looks like a cursive m in handwritten english and so there's not just one 
font that you have to know about. Like you can go to Google Translate and type in Cyrillic characters and mm -hmm. get it on the other side. You know, it'll translate it reasonably well. Um, but it's a really fun treasure hunt to try and figure some of that stuff out. Um, yeah. So yeah. some some countries in their marks, like Albania, so that P would be a D. It would look like a D. Bulgaria, uh, it looks like a lowercase N uh, without a, a little top on it. China has a D. Germany has a capital N. Hungary has a, a big A, capital A. North Korea's is, uh, I don't know how you would describe it, almost a rectangle that's not connected at the top. Kind of sort that, That's the only one that'll look like an Asian An Asian font. letter font. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, like we said, Poland has a, uh, Poland's an S, I guess. And then Romania is a P. Yeah. Russia has that uh, that N that you were talking about, and then Yugoslavia has a big a big O, a big zero. Yeah, the thing to point out on this too is when you see the the site and you see say a P and you're thinking Romania, that that means the site is Romanian, right? So a lot of times these these rifles might be you know kind of hodgepodge together depending on the owner. Frankenstein you know, together, yeah. Oh, yeah, pawn shops or gun stores, you know, that's just you're you're getting an indicator of what you might have, but it's definitely not the end all be all because it doesn't take much to pop a site leaf out and pop a new one in. So exactly. um that's one of the reasons why I've not spent a whole lot of energy committing to site leafs. But uh anyways, yeah, it's it's good information. So yeah. And if you find a really nice rifle and then the site leaf doesn't match, it's not obviously a showstopper at that point. You might, you know, now you just know you need to go find a specific site leaf. So it's good information. Um, sure. But exactly, and that and that's kind of what we're you know we're wanting to feed our our listeners here as they're going and they get this AK or they're thinking about buying this AK. Uh, just quick ways that they can start identifying, and that's a good place to start right there. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you see a really nice you know Chinese AK, and they got a pretty steep price tag on it on the higher end, and the site leaf doesn't match. Now you've got some negotiating material, and you could probably find a Chinese site leaf on the internet to replace it. So, it's a great place to uh, to verify what you're getting and to be able to negotiate appropriately. And just as an example, you know the Vishka is an American-made one, and on theirs they use the S on on their site leaf, and Dang it goes it, it goes up come, to eight. They should have come up with a whole new one. <laughs> Do what? We should have just made up our own our own letter for that. <laughs> our own letter, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, Andrew, why didn't they do that? Yeah, A is Hungarian, so we can't do an A. They should have just done a C for a century. There you go. Or yeah, a V for Vishka. Because because really, it doesn't matter what it is. I guess it's just it's where it's located, and it's at the very bottom or the very front. I guess depending on which way you start uh, on the site leaf. Uh, but it's the very first mark as you're moving the um, the like sight drum. drum. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we spent way too much time on this uh, the sight leaf. So <laughs> let's move to the selector now and some of the different markings that you'll see on the selectors. All right, selectors are mostly going to be marked by semi and full because most of these were built intentionally for military use. So... Um, you know, even the ones that were built for export, they just kind of mass produced the stuff and and then made it as needed for export. But um, what you do find on on 
a lot of these though is they'll have different markings for whether it was intended for export or intended for military. And you find this a lot with like the Chinese ones. Mm-hmm. So if they have Chinese caricatures, it's was intended for military use. And if it has an L and a D, it was intended for uh, export to the United States. So kind of interesting because if you do come across a Chinese AK with Chinese characters, that was not meant for you ever. So that's a pretty cool piece to get your hand on. You know, nice. but, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's China, I guess. We just covered that. If you see Chinese writing, yeah. Yeah. And China. You, it's kind of um, – it stands as evident that it's Chinese writing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're characters. Yeah. I wouldn't even know yeah. how where to start to, to describe these characters, but – there, there is uh, the Korean obviously has Asian markings also for the um, selector, and you'll have to go to the Trunyan from there to see if it's Korean. If it is, call me. Just buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, other than that, that's your only Asian markings. But uh, uh, most likely on a Chinese, you would see an L and a D. Um, yeah. So I guess from we go. Let's just start at Russia again, huh? Um, yeah. Russia would be an A B, and then a Cyrillic, what looks like an O and an A, but it's it's not. Yeah. Um, the upper is an A B, and then the lower uh, selection is yeah. the O. Looks so like a, an B, A. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Bulgaria will also be a Cyrillic. It'll be the A B again for the full auto, and then an E A for the semi. Uh, German will be a D or an E. But they also have what looks like a figure eight on its side and then a one. Would that be the infinity symbol? Infinity, yes. Yeah. Yep. Infinity. Was that full auto, I would assume? Is like Yes. Yeah. Infinity. And that's that's <laughs> the same for Hungary as well. That Hungary will have the infinity and the one. And the one. Okay. Poland is a C and a P. Romania, F A and F F. And then Yugoslavia, an R and a J. How how easily is it for somebody to um, fake these? Like if somebody wanted to try to make a, a knockoff copy, super easy. Yeah, so that's another that's thing it. you got to look yeah. at too. The the and I do have a a tip there, and um, those of our customers and others, lots of people build on Childers receivers, um, and they build from two different kinds of receiver blank. Um, one of them is imported from Poland and they weld over the C and the P and then grind it flush really expertly. I don't know how they get it as good as they do. Um, and, but on the inside of the receiver, because it's a stamping, you'll see the witness mark very often of the C and the P sort of you know, just the, the, the shadow of it mm-hmm. on the inside of the receiver, especially if the metal is somewhat polished. Um, but that is a way to see if somebody's been monkeying and covering up other weldings, but, or other, other stampings. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know how useful it is. It's just really fun when you can spot something like that. Well, that's a good, a good point you bring up there too. Um, are the majority stamped in there or are, are some of them lasered in etched in? Or are they all stamped? They should mostly be stamped the um, or or like hand engraved. You see a lot of that, especially in earlier production from different countries. Um, mm-hmm. In the American builds, obviously, laser engraved. Or another thing they're doing is taking uh, like a, a stencil 
and then they'll either salt with water etch or electro etch it out and it looks a little more authentic that way uh, you know when it comes to the receivers though i don't know that it really devalues it any because you're buying pretty much a military gun that was cut up and then you're rebuilding it so the american parts are going to be the receiver in your barrel everything else is authentic and so the value is going to hold the same because where are you going to get the military gun right so you know, you have to have nine parts or whatever as American anyway. So the receiver is not going to devalue you as long as it's, you know, a quality receiver you're building on and it's built and, right. That's a good point. And James is, of course, referring to 99.99% of all the AKs in the country. There are some, correct me if I'm wrong, James, but there are some like Vietnam era uh, bring back battlefield pickup, bring back guns where dudes just shoved them in their rucksacks and brought them home full auto and all. Um, yeah. Well, those are legal, though. There, there is that, and and it had a. But they're here. <laughs> those are rare cases, and and those fall into two categories too, because there's the people that, uh, when the when the band came, they did the right stuff, and those ones are worth a, an astronomical amount of money now. And then there's the ones where they just hush hush buried it, whatever. And some of these are starting to come up. Um, I had stumbled on one not too long ago, about a year ago, that. The gentleman had passed away and family's clearing out the stuff and they're like, oh, looky, what is all this? Next thing you know, you know, there's a, a sale going on. Well, of course, that stuff has to be cut. So now you've got this this firearm, you know, that's, you know, minted gold and it's got to be cut up. So now it's back to the rebuild process, just like these other ones. So it doesn't really change anything from our perspective. Like Brian was saying, most of the rifles that you'll find, you know, floating around America the receiver and the barrel are American and all the rest of it's, you know, uh, authentic. So when it comes to the markings on the receiver, if it has a lot of these markings, it's been done later, you know, to, to match the parts kit. So, uh, are there any other operational markings, uh, other than those two that you guys are aware of? Uh, you could, you know, when it comes to like the kits, your serial number that's going to be on the trunnion will be matched. So you'll find it on, I think a gentleman asked this in either the Instagram or the Facebook post you put out, but, uh, that's where else you could find stuff to kind of match things on the back of the dust. Yeah. So once we do the, you know, what we've talked about, the selector and the sites, uh, site switch, um, site switch, selector switch, um, so now let's talk about matching, you know, so we see this, now we go and we start verifying what we've really got here, I guess. Um, so yeah, yeah. So yeah serial number, a good place to start. Is that where well, we're, we're well, going? Well, before James goes too full of hog, I'm going to say, I'm going to niggle with you slightly and say that these, these serial numbers actually are operational markings. There was a real problem with like every bolt is, is custom fit in an AK to every AK. And, um, so if you find a gun, um, that, that had a prior service life in the Baltic or wherever, um, having the serial number match on the bolt to the bolt carrier to the trunnion is actually kind of a big deal. There's legend that when commies would clean their guns, they would throw all of the bolts and all the bolt carriers and everything that need to be cleaned in one big pile and that not all the serial numbers made it back into the right places. And the matching between the trunnion and the bolt is fairly important. And so having matching serial numbers there can be a big deal. It is possible to retrofit them 
you know, when they were remanufactured in the U.S. so that everything's groovy, but all things being equal, serial numbers are operational numbers as far as I'm concerned. Okay, good point. All right, thank you, Brian. Thanks for all that. <laughs> Boring. Sorry, I just totally out. lost my train of thought. Thank you. Damn it, <laughs> Brian. You threw off our expert. When I when I find you know a, a rifle that I'm curious about and I pick it up, the very first thing I actually look for, typically for me, is I go right to the trunnion where the uh, where the barrel pin goes through, and I look for the the you know, proof mark. Uh, a lot of them, of course, don't have it, but uh, that's a starting point for me. And right next to that will be the serial number. So, um, you know, we'll talk about the serial numbers first, and then get in the proof marks if you want. But, okay, uh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. From the serial number. Like Brian was saying, you know, it is important. So other places to find it um, would be the back of the dust cover on the flat face. Sometimes it's right above the, I don't know, little cutout. Sometimes it's right below it. Uh, and then the bolt carrier will have it and the bolt itself. And on the bolt, it's right on the step down from the big part to the, you know, the long skinny part. It's usually right there. Kind and of talk about on. left side, right side of the rifle also. Okay. So let yeah. So the trunnion. We got to paint a picture because we're all audio here. They can't see us. All right. So yeah, trunnion on the left side of the rifle. So if you're the non-port side, the non-port side, like I'm calling that left. So that. So that's if you're behind you the rifle, looking down the sights, that's the yep, left side. Yep. Your left side. Yep. Perfect. And uh, right there, where the barrel pin would go through, or above the couple rivets on the face of the trunnion, would be where your proof mark usually a date and the serial number are sometimes it's a four digit date sometimes it's two digit uh sometimes it's kind of almost looks like it's built into the serial number and it just depends on the country of origin and what they're doing there that's where you want to look at your serial number and then from there go to your other components and make sure they all match if they don't it's not the end of the world like Brian was saying it can be retrofitted or you know it was probably built later like a lot of parts kits that are floating around now for sale and a lot of the good stuff's picked through so when stuff pops up or it's for sale a lot of times it's not matching but it's still parts um but of course the matching is going to be a lot more desirable right so, now if <clears throat> when you're going to look for matching serial numbers what all parts have the serial number on them or should have all right, let's hope, hopefully I don't forget anything here. So the dust cover, the bolt, the bolt carrier, and your trunnion. What am I forgetting? Uh, Brian, am I forgetting anything? Um, Bulgaria um, will put the um, serial number on the outside of the selector, at least in the ones I've seen. They'll put it on the safety. A lot of countries will put the serial number, and you wouldn't see it unless you were looking for it, but on the... On the part of the safety that's that's cast, the part that's inside the gun, not the stamping mm -hmm. that's outside, you'll either see the serial number kind of in the saddle that's that's sitting there or on the side where the little tang is that sticks out that, that interferes with the trigger to prevent um, firing. And then um, I have seen it once or twice on a recoil spring. And after that, I, oh, uh, stocks occasionally. Oh, yeah, in the woods sometimes. Yep. Yeah, and Yugo, I've got a Yugo uh, RPK with the serial number stamped into the, into the stock. So I, I take it that's not as common, though? It's common with the Chinese stuff. 
Okay. And then Andrew, when you guys were bringing in Yugos or in your prior history, were standard Yugo, you know, oh, the M70 or M72 or whatever they are, would you guys see a lot of that or is that not as common? No, not on the new newer production stuff from, from the Yugo stuff. So those guns came in, um, you know, as sporter models and they were 922R compliant. Oh, got it. By us. Right. Right. So it, we brought those in the same way we bring the Wazers in. So they're neutered basically when they come in the country. And then we machine out the magwell, um, same, put the U.S.-made furniture, put a rack one trigger in them, that kind of thing. We did the same yep. stuff with you guys. Yep, got it. Yeah. So your receivers were Yugoslavian, just um, just like the Romanians are Romanian receivers. Yep. And Romania and uh, barrels are just, uh, they're neutered guns, and then they're 922 art here in the U.S. Yep. Very cool. So the serial number, I mean, there's several, several parts there that, uh, you can verify and, and make sure that they match up. And then, like you said, of course, if they don't match up, it's not the end of the world. And and also, you know, the those are places you can find the serial numbers. Those are not necessarily always going to have a serial number on them. Some dust covers will, some dust covers won't. Um, typically, your bolts, bolt carriers, always your trunnion, obviously, is going to be serialized. Um, so don't freak out if you're like, oh, this must be a replacement dust cover because it doesn't have the serial number on it. It may not have ever had a serial number on it. So, um, you know, like, so just, you know, be mindful. You know, obviously the biggest thing about the serial number is if there are serial numbers in multiple places and they're not the same. Um, that's more of an issue than this dust cover doesn't have a serial number. Yeah, I agree with that. Very good point. A lot of variants to this stuff. It's not all cut and dry. And because so many countries put their hands on it, there's, you know, they all put their own little touch and taste into things. And then even within those countries, there are different factories that were making them. So, you know, no rhyme or reason sometimes. Yeah. But that, as far as this. That's what makes AKs interesting, though, is that that's, so what, many yeah, that's what makes it exciting. Yeah, but as far as cool. the, the serial number um, pattern, you know, that it's put in, it'll be the same on all those parts. So if you've got a serial number and it doesn't match that that pattern, then probably throw up red flags there too, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just check. Though, check you know, <laughs> we, we should probably draw a distinction here between a fighting gun or a target gun and a collector's item, right? If, if we're looking at buying a fighting gun, um, the only three serial numbers that I care about are the trunnion, the bolt, and the bolt carrier. Nothing Absolutely. else matters. Um, it's it's really just about maintaining the the integrity of the Trinity there. And uh, past that, I couldn't care less. However, you know, James does some really serious collecting, and that's where this stuff, beyond those, the Holy Trinity there, beyond those, we're really just talking about collector's stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But the neat thing about the AK with collecting, though, is it's still a fighting gun. <laughs> 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 Got to give that's it that. A- very good point, James. Yeah. I don't think you could say that about any other firearm that I can think of. Well, and if you were to buy a, a perfect Porsche 911 or whatever, I'm not a car guy, but or, you know, that hot one that uh, that. Uh, oh, Grace Kelly and that accident. I forget who died in that. Never mind. Fancy <laughs> car, right? Nobody would race, you know, a Porsche from the 50s or 60s on a track today they'd have it redone right and that's not the case with an ak if you give me a 60s vintage collector's item ak and tell me i gotta go fight with it i got a smile on my face so you're totally right yeah for real. Yep. 
All right, so outside the serial number, um, where are we gonna where are we venturing to next? The the markings? Yeah. I would go to the proof mark, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's the nuts and bolts of this. That's not on every gun though. Uh, not all AKs have a proof mark. But when they do, for some reason it just makes your heart I don't know. It's just there's a level of excitement when you see that mark. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I got three sitting here in my hands right now. It's just like, I mean, look at I'm smiling. So what but, are you looking at right now? Ex- uh, so describe uh, what you're in, looking at. Well, the one in my right hand here is, uh, it's actually, it was a battlefield pickup kit from the Balkans. So it's a Romanian. It's a, it's a very weathered and kind of beaten Trunnion, but, uh, like I say, it's a battlefield pickup, which is cool. Cause it's like, what's its story. But, uh, the, the proof mark, it's Romanian, so it's a triangle with an upward-facing arrow that starts at the bottom, goes up towards the point of the triangle. Um, I do have a, I think it's actually over behind me, a Romanian that, that was a build kit that I got and uh, we put together. Actually, it's my, my mom put it together. Um, and Your it mom have, put it together? Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> on, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, yeah. No, my family builds AKs, yo. <laughs> no, but, uh, it's it's just an empty tri- uh, triangle. So there are a couple. The of family that the- builds AKs together stays together. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the triangle with the arrow pointing up is. So yeah, the the triangle with the arrow pointing up is the most common. They also had uh, an empty triangle, and like I say, I have one of those over there. So there's a couple different variants on the Romanians, um, but if you. You have to look close because this other one I have here is a triangle with an arrow inside of it pointing up also, but the arrow has the little feathers on the bottom. It's mm-hmm. centered in the triangle. It doesn't connect to the bottom. That's uh, that's the Ishmash Russian one. So if you see a triangle with an arrow, you might think you have a Russian. If you don't look close enough, it might be Romanian. So you got to kind of – of course, there's other identifiers on the rifle, but that's the first thing with the Trunyan uh, mark. So anyways, the – Russian triangle, and then uh, Tula will be a star. So there's your two Russian ones: a triangle with an arrow and a and a star. A triangle with a star? Just a star. Just a plain old star, nothing else. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and you AK fans who are also gardeners, um, who are in not really hot areas, there is a heirloom tomato variety called Black from Tula. And uh, so it is a tomato variety from that area where they didn't have a whole lot of heat. They had a lot of fog, and it is a winner. So uh, if you love AKs and you love tomatoes, check out Black from Tula. (laughs) That was deep. There you go. I like it. All right. So two identifying for, for Russia, the star... And then the triangle with an arrow with the the feathers on it. With the uh, yep. What are they called, yeah. Andrew? Fletch. Fletch. There you go with Fletches. Thank you. Andrew's a bow hunter. Oh, okay. You'll see those uh, those same proof marks on on mags typically, like the Bakelite mags, um, on the bottom right side of the Bakelites. You'll have the star or the or the triangle. So I'm looking uh, at some bake lights right now. I've got a star. I've got two with stars. And then I've that's got, what I got two with the triangle with the, the arrow with the fletch on it. Do you want to sell all those? <laughs> no, I just bought them from <laughs> Brian, so no. 
And if you guys can see my mic stand right now, this is my microphone. And those, <laughs> got... those are all bake lights that, yeah, I'm literally, my microphone is perched on four bake He's using his bake lights as a so microphone hot. prop. <laughs> Let me see, I'll get it back down. There, there they are there. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get too off topic, but since I have a bake light in my hand, on the other side from that proof mark yep. is usually a number. Yes, that number, uh, to my knowledge, and if I'm wrong, somebody correct me on the internet, corresponds to the form that it was formed in. So they have different vats that these were done in in big batches. So you might have a bunch that have the same number. They were just done in the same form, and then form you know, as in the, the mold. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The it's the so, mold number. The mold ID number. Gotcha. Yeah. Bake lights are, that's where it's at right there. Now, since that's we're on the, on the magazines, let's just, and we'll jump back to the rifles. The um, yeah. There's also some, like, handwritten stuff on some of these, too. And I don't, like, I got a circle K right here on this one. I don't, like... Yeah, those ones I sold you, Marty, had never been used before, mm -hmm. and they have a bunch of inspector marks on them. Okay, is so it ink, like purple ink? Yeah, it's like purple dye or ink or something like that. One's got a circle with a K, uh, and then on the other side, it's got a triangle with a P in it. Uh, and OTK nine is like uh, looks like it might be stamped in there. Yeah, those are like um, acceptance stamps yeah. for. Uh, like quality and things like that. Uh, and those, that sounds like that might be Cyrillic that's on those. So these are like inspector stamps that we're saying. So they yeah. go through the factory and then, uh, because they're in certain areas too. So this, this guy's inspecting this area of the mag, this guy's inspecting this area of the mag or some, some aspect. And then the, the circle K is doing something over here on the other side. Yeah. So that's actually, we'll get into that maybe next year after we talk about the arsenal mark is um there's a whole lot of well i can just jump into it if now's a good time but there's a bunch of marks on your ak that you probably have never noticed before that are like that um particularly on the bolt and often on the bolt carrier as well you'll see funny shaped um dings like uh like a letter v um is is very common on bolts and um, those are all just the inspectors as they move through. They'll actually punch, use a punch and stamp the inspection approval in. And if you look up um, proof stamps on uh, Google, you'll find there's whole alphabets that are used in metalworking and ironworking to to be used as as that sort of inspection mark. And, and that's, um, done, it's, that's done through the whole build process, correct? And then at the very end, they get the final, like, uh, like proof mark stamped, correct? I don't know that. Um, like I said, you guys, this is this is the deep end of the pool for me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I don't I don't know that either. I was more curious. I know like this one I'm holding, this 1969 uh, ish mush, and this is just a cross section cut. I don't know if you can see it cut from the barrel and and receiver, but the uh, it has five different inspection stamps on this little section. One of them is on the, tr or two of them are on the trunnion itself, and then three of them are on the receiver. So as oh, it went wow. through the production, it probably got stamped a bunch with little, um, you know, markings from the different inspectors, like you said. But I know on like the German, the East German production, their proof mark, I guess I'll call it, is an oval with a K and a three in the oval. 
that actually isn't necessarily their proof mark of the factory. They had two factories that uh, built rifles for East Germany, Sewell and Wise or Wiza. And those both used K3 as an inspection stamp to say this is fit for service. And then if it had that, it was okay to go out. So I wasn't sure if that was the case with all of these or not. But anyways, that's why I asked. Good question. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't know. And, and yeah, it's a, a good one to ask some of the... The leadheads. We all, yes, at the leadheads and, and uh, a couple of the... There's a few old, they're sort of like Yoda that hide off in the woods that I call occasionally. And uh, maybe we can, <laughs> I can call one of them up and, and uh, ask Yoda what's up. There you go. Well, well what you're going to find out about that, that kind of information is once again with AKs, it varies rat greatly, um, such as like the Chinese factories. Um, each individual part, say like a bolt or a bolt carrier, before they're fitted, they're tested for metallurgy. Or whatever, so you'll see maybe a half circle. You'll see a couple different types of small stamps in those parts, and then when they're assembled together, head spaced and fitted, then it'll get an additional stamp. Um, but you'll see that in Germany, Russia, you know, the stuff from even the stuff that's currently coming from from Ismash and uh, and from you know like Bulgaria, um, you'll still see that kind of stuff, just like an AR-15, you know, an MPI bolt. Um, that's just every bolt is MPI tested, but that's not the proof mark. That's just for that particular part. Um, yep. You're going to see the same thing in AKs. But the final proof mark or inspector's mark is always going to be on the final product. In other words, mm -hmm. the completely assembled firearm. Mm -hmm. um, but different countries did it in different ways. You know, like like you're talking about the German proof for service. Um, that's different than like proof house marking. Um, so, yeah, it, it varies greatly depending on country manufacturer. But you will see those little those little markings on pretty much all of your, especially your hardened parts. Any steel that's a hardened steel part, you're going to find those on more often than you'll find them on the soft steel parts, like like a top cover, for instance. Right. Um, you'll see those as often. Um, and, but yeah, so just like everything else with AKs, it varies greatly. And uh, Drew brings up a really good point on hardness testing. The proof mark for hardness testing is you'll see a little... Um, it looks like a pin prick or somebody hit it with a center punch. And that's the, the small scar that a hardness tester leaves. And um, I'll often see two or three of those on our parts coming in from Poland. Um, and it's great because it knows, I know that somebody checked the hardness three different times on that now one Now you've part. got one of those in, in your uh, facility there, Brian, because you showed it to me when I was there. Yeah, we, for the first hundred guns, we collected hardness data on everything coming in to build up statistics on what the variations are. And we stopped after we realized after a hundred that the marking, that the results were incredibly boring and consistent and that we could trust the proof mark of the facility we were working with. And so, um, yeah, we, we, all of our internal stuff, you know, we make trunnions and, um, a whole bunch of or rear trunnions and all the steel parts that we make we check as well you will the weirdest thing that i've ever seen hardness tested but i'm glad they do is on the inside surface of most safeties the actual the the sheet metal lever itself if you look on the inside face of there you'll often see a place where they ground away the oxide to bright metal and hardness tested it right kind of smack dab in the middle of the lever on the inside surface and um, then they'll they'll typically coat over it with oxide again at the end. But but uh, 
you know, for, for all this talk of AKs being made in caves, um, the amount of proof marks and inspection marks that you see would definitely uh, give the lie to that. Showing a different story, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely showing that they're uh, very heavily inspected and and, and proven. So we talked about Romania, the square with the, we're going to call an arrow. It's, I'm not square, but triangle with a uh, triangle with a stick in the middle of the bottom of it. It looks like an arrow. And then Russia has the triangle with the arrow and the uh, fletches and those digna- what we're signifying here is factory marking. So in Romania, it's the C U G I R factory. How would you say that? Cougar. Cougar. That's how I pronounce it. Okay. Yeah. Cougar. Cougar. Uh, Russia. Uh, that's the uh, the Izhvesk. I Z H E V S K factory. Uh, and there's two. It- Go ahead. Izhvesk is how most people pronounce Ish, that. But. Izhvesk. I'm not Russian, yep. so that's good. Uh, and then there's another one for the Molot factory, and it looks more like a sheriff's uh, kind of badge where it's uh, it's got... Yeah, there one, was a two, gentleman three. that asked about that on the social media. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pull it up here. I believe he asked... He said... He has a, a Bakelite magazine that had the outline of a badge with a star in the center of it. What does this symbol mean? Okay. That's the Malat symbol. That's the And they yeah. did make Bakelites. Yeah, they did make Bakelites. So anyways, for that gentleman, that's Very what cool. that was. And then also in Russia, there's just a star. They have a, just the, the five-point star there, and that's the Tula factory. Tula, Tula. All right, so that's that's got us caught up. Now, where where do you want to go next, James? Um, I think you know there's a couple more that are pretty popular. Yeah. Bulgaria, Bulgarian rifles are obviously super popular. Uh, most common is the two circles with the number ten in it. Uh, we just kind of call it Circle Ten, I guess. Um, and you'll see those on a lot of the mags too. Uh, waffle mags are probably the second most popular mag or desirable outside of the Bakelite. So. All right. Uh, you'll see that on those. And then it's not common to see 21 or 25 within two circles as well. And I think the ones I've seen most on, on mags of those are, uh, 545 mags. And, uh, those are just other factories. So they're numbered factory 10, factory 21 and factory 25. And, uh, all those I believe are, are through Arsenal Bulgaria. And then, Poland. Poland is an oval with an 11. I have one of those over here also. And what else we got? Uh, what about, uh, did we talk about North Korea? North Korea is a circle with a star. So getting back to that from earlier, if you happen to see some Asian writing and you go to your trunnion, see a circle with a star, just email me right away. Don't <laughs> tell anybody. Don't. don't you don't want to do that. You just want to email me and contact me, and we'll get this figured out. And if it's a Type 58 uh, model, it'll have that circle star, and it'll have like a 58 um, underneath it with a Chinese symbol to the right of that. looks like a, maybe a house or something. Yeah, or so the fish. Type 58 is uh, going to be a milled gun. That was their first you know, attempt at, at AKs. And then the 10 years later, in 1968, they came out with the stamped, so it'll be pretty obvious difference between the two for that reason then of course you know the 68 or the 58 but the yugoslavian um ak's 
What would you yeah, Yugo will have the Zastava logo. I don't even know how to explain that. How to? It's a circle that. with like a, a a double Z on the inside with another maybe half circle kind of inside the big circle. It's very artistic. Yeah, but it basically they're, they're doing a Z. It's like a Z. Yeah. So the Yugoslavians always like to do things a little, little bit different. They're kind of like they're fancy. They always like to do stuff just a little bit different than everybody else's stuff. And uh, there's another word. It just they spell it out. Um, Zastava Kurglglglglg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to say that. Iraq's a cool one. Um, the to books, which again, this is one of those where if you find it, you just call me right away. There is a company making uh, modern production, like in the United States, like replicas. And uh, they do a pretty good job. So if you find one, it might it's probably not real. Uh, it's probably, well, I mean, it's real, but it's a modern production. And there's a but couple of different markings on that one, too. And it's like, the, it's a circle with the Lion of Babylon in it. It's very unique looking. Um, to my understanding, what happened on that was in the early days of, of the war, we bombed their arms factory where they were made. And that was that. It ceased production that day, and they've never been back. And then... During the Iraq war, any weapons caches that were found, things were put in big piles and burned. So there's not a lot of books floating around out there, but yeah. um, they'll be ish but with the Lion of Babylon. The Tubak, it'll have that marking you're saying, but it'll have some writing before and after it. Um, yeah, and I think for the that's like, I think that's the serial number, date, that kind of thing, but in Arabic in if I, if I, yeah. And then they've also got a triangle with an upside down two that has a dot in the uh, the bottom of the two there. From what I'm seeing here, if I'm describing that, does that ring a bell? Yeah, and then uh, yeah, so it's kind of like an Arabic looking seven, maybe, or an upside down two. Yeah. The other ones that you might see with Arabic stuff on them, of course, would be way more common in the United States, and that's the Mahdi's from Egypt. And uh, you'll get the Factory 54 mark on those, uh, which is like, uh, I don't know how to paint that picture either. I don't think I'm very descriptive. But. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so what I'm looking at, um, it's the, it does the date, I guess the year, and then there's like... A, a little circle with a T that kind of the T goes across the top of the circle and then in through the center of the circle drops down. And then on either side of that T that drop down are, mm. are the letters or the numbers 54 in Arabic. Okay. And that's the fact. Gotcha. But, uh, so that's, that's the actual proof mark that T with the circle thing. What about uh check? Czechoslovakia. Um, not super up on Czechoslovakia. It's more of a like a variant. I wouldn't, not necessarily AK. It means AK inspired. Um, I've never actually seen the proof marks on that in real life. Mm -hmm. But it's like a crossed swords. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. This, like, yeah. Proof. Proof. The crossed swords. It's crossed swords and the date. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um, and then I think there was, okay, so Hungary is another unique one because there's not really a proof mark. 
to be found usually on the guns, but Hungarian mags are fairly popular because they have a little moon man on them, mm. and it's usually on the stamped on the spine. So that's kind of a neat proof mark just to talk about because, you know, when you see metal AK mags and you look at the spine, if you find the little moon man, it's like a aha. Is that one of those where if they find that, and give you a call? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Is sure. Is that one of those? I'll buy it. <laughs> I'll buy it. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, there's, they're, they're pretty neat. You know, it's just one of those. Mags are a lot different. There's a lot more markings and interesting things at mags. There's definitely a whole, like, following to collect mags. But, um, you know, we'll keep it simple here and just stick with the trunnions and proof marks for the rifles. But. Sure. Did you want to get any of the German markings? Yeah, German has a lot. And most of those are, uh, like, inspection markings. So the K3 is the most common because that's the one they usually stamped on the trunnion and it's actually typically usually in the little cutout where the the uh, uh, barrel uh, pin goes through so it's not in a common spot it's just a, about a half inch off from that the other markings like there's a the diamond with the circle is usually found in the barrel uh, so some of those other ones are inspection marks there is the uh, I guess it's called the, the sun or whatever Mm-hmm. and it'll have a C or a W in it. That, if you find that, that's pretty neat. That's a lot rarer, I think, in my opinion. Those correspond to the two factories. So the C would be, I think, the Sewell, and the W would be the Wise or Wise factory. And those are, like I say, a lot more rare. I've not seen those in real life either, but uh, pretty cool. If you find them, call me. I'm interested. <laughs> there you go. And then there's another one that's a, a kind of a, triangle that's turned like a diamond with a circle inside of it yeah that's the barrel inspection stamp barrel inspection okay gotcha and then there's one that's got a circle with a zero six in it also yeah oh yeah that's uh good go ahead oh you go ahead uh here's a fun question what does cutting edge uh japanese engine technology and AK manufacturer have in common? I have no idea. Germans? (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Um, No, on the barrel of Comblock made guns, you know, the the fits are super critical between all the press fits. If you do it wrong, either have a barrel that falls out or one where you bend the barrel trying to push it in. So there's a three bears problem there. And the way that the commies um dealt with that was they had a a classification system that went one through four one was undersized meaning that it was a smaller diameter than what you thought uh or what what was from nominal two is nominal three is slightly oversized and four is grossly oversized and um the we're talking about ten thousandths of an inch so um a thirtieth of a piece of typing paper is a ten thousandth and uh, that, you know, a few tenths really does matter. And so that's how the um, the commies dealt with getting the interference fit right for all those press fits. And the Japanese uh, have done exactly the same thing with pistons in engine blocks. And I may have repeated this. I may have said this before, but I think it's so cool. It bears repeating. Um, and the way the Japanese deal with this is they have like a color code system. Um, or numbers and letters very similar to one through four. And when you go to redo um, a head, 
you just look at the code that's on the engine and you buy the proper head to fit in that bore without um, having to jack around and 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 size stuff or lap stuff in. And I don't know a lot about engines, so you engine nerds out there, forgive me for butchering that a bit, but. <laughs> Um, the commies again with quality and with tolerancing were well ahead of their time on that one. Very cool. And so you'll see those marks. You'll actually see four numbers, one through four on the barrel in front of the rear sight base, um, under the top, under the gas tube. And the, the, the one that's furthest away from the receiver corresponds to the front sight base. The second number, um, corresponds to the gas block. The third is the rear sight base, and the fourth is the barrel to the trunnion connection. Very cool. So you know you have a commie barrel, um, which do exist. The Bush, HW Bush banned, I believe it was HW, put regulations in place that banned the importation of foreign barrels that were in a non-sporter configuration. So you don't see a lot of it anymore, but if you do, that's, that's an OG barrel. Yeah, there's a ton of them out there. You just got to be lucky and find them. Yeah, if you do, just make sure you give me a call. <laughs> Again. <laughs> That's going to be the theme of this show, by the way. Call James. Yeah, yeah just call <laughs> I, me. Cool uh, stuff. <laughs> the, the places I need to take James. The places I need to take James. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you guys are going to have fun, for sure. <laughs> so one thing we haven't uh, touched on much, and we didn't do this. We did a little bit during the selector markings, but we haven't gotten on our proof marks, and it's probably pretty important for listeners, is the Chinese uh, yep. proof marks. There are so many factories and uh, more than any of the other countries. And the thing that's interesting is, well, first of all, they're, they're quality built rifles. When people who don't know AKs think Chinese, they just think, you know, like everything in America that's made in China, it's just junk. And that's the absolute opposite in the AK world. Mm -hmm. The things are built like tanks. They're thicker. That was beautiful, by the way. You should just hold that up again. Uh, they're, they're, th they're usually, if they're thicker metal, the rivet pattern is a little different um, on the front trunnion to support better and uh, allegedly and uh, they're just they're just neat they're they're really high quality builds the fit finishes better and then like the one he was just holding up the spiker um, they build the bayonet into the front they're really cool and getting back to the bush thing uh, during that era that had to go away they got rid of the threads they got rid of the bayonet they got rid of the stocks um, so that they could get rid of the pistol grip and put a, a thumb hole stock on them so there's a lot of unique variants floating around out there, and most of them have some sort of significant value, and a lot of people want them. So it's it's interesting to point out, and definitely something we should cover on the factories on that. So um, okay, let's do it. All right. So uh, basically, there's two types of proof marks. There's round ones and triangles. The triangles were intended, or, or were from factories that were intended for military use. The ovals were intended to be exported mostly to the United States. So that's kind of the general rule of thumb, not totally set in stone, but that's the general rule of thumb. The most common are the 66 within a triangle and then the 386 within the oval. The what? Um, Say that again. A 386. 386. Okay. Yep. They're all pretty much all numbered <clears throat> and they correspond to different state factories in China from different provinces. Which one is that? Is that there? This is a 386. Hold on. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Is that a Polytech? Yeah. Yeah. So Polytech's, uh, most most Polytech guns came from 386, and uh, and Norinko's came from 66, although 
Some Norinkos did come from Factory 386 as well. There's also what's that? Pistols, like they made a lot of the uh, the 386 uh, or Chinese yeah. Tokarevs. Yeah. yeah, that were Norinko branded, but came out of 386. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing with uh, with China is to know that like the two big companies that pop up on Chinese guns are Polytech and Norinko, but they didn't make this stuff. They they they're just export companies. This the stuff was contracted to the state factories. So if you see a Norinko stamp uh, and no proof mark, it was made at one of these factories. They just didn't proof it. Uh, and that's very common. Most Mac 90s won't have a proof mark on them, but they're still a high quality gun worth getting your hands on for the right price. So other factory numbers would be a 26 within a triangle, a 36 within a triangle, uh, a 416 with a tri within a triangle. That one's pretty common also. Um, so yeah, there's just a bunch out there and there's not a lot of great information on some of these factories either. So because they kind of got that layer of protection with having export companies versus the state factories. So those are things to look for. Um, if you see proof marks, a lot of times they're more pre-banned guns because during that Bush ban era, they basically made guns specifically to fit that. And that's when you started seeing like the Mac 90 sporters that came, came in with those thumb hole stocks, mm -hmm. uh, or referred to as the butthole stock. <laughs> and, and you can refang them. You can you can take those guns. Um, the threads are ground down, but you can you can sleeve that and rethread them. There's a company there or out now that makes even rethread one right there. There you go. Yeah, and there's a company now that makes a, a front sight block that has the bayonet uh, built into it. I think it's a couple hundred dollars, so you can press off your front sight block, put that buck on, blue it to match. You'll have to you know dremel out your handguard to fit that spiker back on there, but that's doable. And then even the stocks, um, it's it's tough. It's tough to find the wood, but depending on your thumbhole stock, you might be able to route out a stock from that and kind of refang the whole thing and make a Type 56 again. But um, anyways, the Type 56 Chinese AK is is highly desirable. If you find those, make sure you give me a call. Yeah, we've actually <laughs> we actually talked about that in the first season. Did first you? Season okay, yeah. The AK corner. We did a big uh, a big long thing about Chinese AKs because I'm obviously a big fan. Are you okay? Of, yeah. Of the Chinese AKs and uh, and of course, like like I've told you know, the listeners have probably heard me say this a million times, but Chinese AKs, Mac 90s are some of the best AKs made. Absolutely. Um, as far as durability, I've got I've got Mac 90s that I've put. I couldn't even tell you how many rounds because I've been shooting them since I was 15. You know, a long time. Just insane. and Andrew's they like 72. The bolts, yeah, the bolts <laughs> will mushroom out a little bit, but they still run like a champ. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been very impressed at the few Mac 90s that have run through our shop. You know, we don't, especially right now, we don't do any custom work, but I had one of our pro shooters um, uh, sent me a year ago a Mac 90 to work on, and um, it had been partially optimized and it, it didn't go well. And so he, uh, he sent a dust. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I have been just, overwhelmingly impressed by the design changes exactly what you were referring to james with the front trunnion the way it's put together they mm -hmm. they necked down the the barrel journal and by doing that they were they put a whole lot more metal into the trunnion than is present on the akm style and um what that allows you to do is use crappier metal 
you, it either lets you be more lazy or lets you make it stronger, depending on what your ethics are. Um, but I think that it is hard to argue. Um, well, I would argue that it's a better design, um, flat out. And and yeah, the the um, it's they're just great guns. Yep. They put a lot of attention to detail too. You pretty much, if you find a, a Chinese AK, it's got a nice, clean finishing all over. Uh, the way all the edges meet and, you know, things aren't burred and sharp and they're blued finishes. I mean, they're just, they're very, when you pick them up, you feel it. You're, this is, this is real. Uh, it's not just thrown together quickly, which is very impressive coming from China. But uh, yeah, they're just great guns. So anyways, I guess we saved the best for last on the proof marks there, but there's quite a bit to look into on those ones. But yeah, but guys, also, if you don't see proof marks, a lot of them will just say Norinco on the side of them, and that's that's the mark. Um, but, but those guns are, are going to be coming from you know 66 or 386 or one of the one of mm -hmm. the two major factories. So don't don't be discouraged if you don't see that proof mark. If you know that's still a, a good quality Chinese AK with or without that proof mark. There's even some where they'll inscribe "Made in China" on them, and it looks like it was done with like. Uh, pencil and a yeah and a nail and they just like chiseled at it it's, it'll be really janky but that's probably a good indicator you found a piece so yeah start checking out the rest of it at that point so that would be a, a good question is how would i know if something's a knockoff or not what's a telltale sign that somebody's trying to counterfeit one of these on, on the chinese i would look right at the rivet pattern on the front trunnion it will be distinctly different than the rest. I'm not sure, I guess, really how to explain the difference, um, but the orientation of the rivets on the front trunnion are different, and it'll be a blued finish. Not a lot of people are going to be making a knockoff gun and taking the time to blue all the surfaces. Uh, that's a whole other level of kind of, uh, of, of finish work in gunsmithing. And, uh, and the, the receiver will it'll be thicker. So if you're familiar with AK receivers, it's a thicker metal. It's definitely, uh, it's built it's like 1.5 mil instead of one mil, like you'll typically see. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, if you're counterfeiting an AK, you're probably not going to be messing around with trying to counterfeit a, a Chinese AK. Uh, there's just not much money in it for what you would be, uh, putting into it. You so, know what? One area where it would be real easy is the import marking so like when a gun is made overseas it'll say made in kugir if it's a romi for example and then you'll see and it's a it's federally required uh you know imported by ca cai arms which is a wing of century and um there are some bubba chinese kits out there and they will not say they will not have um the importer listed on the receiver there and um, so, yeah, definitely just because they're Chinese parts doesn't make it a good gun. But if it says Norinco imported by CAI or there's a few other companies now defunct that used to import them, um, that, that to me well, would that, be the gold stamp of approval. That's just it, too. As far as the companies, there's only a few importers that brought all those in. And, yeah, the, once you know those couple names to look for, it's going to stand right out. So okay, very good. So uh, anything else uh, as far as marks or anything that we want to go into before we get to our listener questions? Um, 
Uh, I think we could dig into it like for hours and hours. Right, so and say, we're keeping this high uh, level right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'd say we cut to some some uh, questions and uh, dig into that for a few minutes, and we can save a lot of the really gushy stuff for the future. I mean, we can get into you know mags and all sorts of stuff. So, um, just for the sake of not uh, not boring everybody for hours. Okay. So, um, magazines. Anything else important you think on magazines that we? want to touch on what about other parts that come with AKs like I've got this cleaning kit that came with uh, my Polish AK that any yeah, so we're talking oiler, about Marty. huh it's called an oiler an oiler yeah so that that's a good one most people don't know why there's two kinds of oil in the oiler um, that one of them is to neutralize as I understand it it it's got um, something in it that neutralizes the salts and corrosive primers. And that's one symbol. And the other one is the oil that you finish with. Is that your guys understanding on that sucker there? It is. That sounds great. <laughs> that's Basically, great. To, to even bring it down, even bring it down simpler. One's for cleaning. One's for lubricating. There you go. Perfect. So on the one I'm looking the classic at classic ones. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a a P with like a side X and then the S with a little M. Uh, and this is the Polish. So I'll go super nerd right here. The plastic ones are pretty boring. But when you get into the older metal two-side ones, yeah. they're, they, they have some interesting markings on some of those. Yeah, that's what I've got right here. These are, these are yeah. metal. So uh, probably for another show uh, again. Yeah. But... Uh, Let's go to some questions. Uh, great info there. So yeah, let's let's go to our our listener questions here. And Are you starting on Instagram or Facebook? Well, uh, let's start on Instagram. Okay. We'll start off on the gram. The gram. And just go through there. I mean, if you see something interesting that looks like you want to field, let's just field it. Is Cyrillic Bakelite worth the extra money? I'm going with a Bakelite is worth the extra money. That's my <laughs> answer. That's my answer. <laughs> Any Bakelite is worth the, worth the extra money. And how do you money. know if it's real Bakelite okay. versus a counterfeit Bakelite? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever seen. Maybe mine are all counterfeit. I don't know if I even know the difference. But um, one you, of the things that – talking I, about like, the fake light Duracode, Cerakote jobs. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, it's you obvious. can definitely – Oh, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, when you, you know, if the orange is the plastic and not paint, it's it's probably Bakelite. Uh, on Bakelite mags, the the thing that's desirable is on the front, on the curved side, the part that indexes the mag well first. Mm -hmm. There's no like rib from the metal; it's just smooth. I don't know how to explain that. So when you go to catch the mag well and jam your mag in. There's no chance of catching anything other than the tip, but if you have that lip on, like on the metal mags, you can actually catch the wrong part in the mag well and awkwardly place your mag so it'll feel like it latched in, but it's actually crooked, and you will not uh, you'll jam your gun. So, what's nice on bake lights is that's just smooth right there. Um, and you'll see guys that really kind of train a lot; they'll take metal mags and they'll Dremel that, but you know, then it's not pretty anymore. So, um, that's, what's cool about bake lights is they're just, they're durable and they're made to be run hard. 
who uh, re- who asked that question? Did you read who re- who asked it? Uh, it was. Let me see here. That's actually. I got, the question was from uh, Dicky the Third. Is Cyrillic okay. bakelite worth the extra? So what he's referring to is um, there's. I believe it's has to do with the um, the number or the the form. There'll be like Cyrillic. Oh God, I had an article on this the other day. I was reading on this actually. They're just the more unique. They're a more unique mag, and actually, I think the spine on the back is different too. It's not uh, subdued like the one I'm holding now. It's more like pressed in. Um, so there's like variances, and I, it's more of a collector's thing. And so, you know, for the collector value, sure, I'd pay a little extra. Cool, um, but first and foremost, when I'm getting into this stuff, I'm absolutely looking for the functionality. So, you know, when it comes to any bakelite, I'm I'm all about that. What about the floor plates on the on the bake lights? Because I've I've got two here and they got two different floor plates on them. Is that anything that needs to be of concern? I actually I actually don't know anything about them, but mine has some weird markings too that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. So uh, while you're looking at that, there's another bake light. We'll just since we're on bake light, we'll finish up bake lights here. which is more rare, sought after? Uh, robots, WTF? Asked this Tulla or the Ishmash Bakelites? Which what are more the, rare? A lot. Is that is that what you said first? Uh, it says which are more rare, sought after Tulla or Ishmash Bakelites? Ah uh, man, anybody got an answer on that one? I have I have the equal amount of both, so I don't know that I've had any harder time finding either one. I the think others? they're probably equally as common. There's a lot of both of them on the market. Well, as much as a lot of Bakelite, you know, um, I've seen lots of both of those. Um, honestly, probably the one I see the least number of is the Malat. Or China. Well, well, yeah, Chinese and German Bakelites, obviously, are super rare. Yeah, I think that would be the, the whole grail there. If you find those, make sure you call me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dicky the Third asked several questions, uh, but you you did one there. Um, here's another Bakelite. I saw a Bakelite magazine that had the outline of a badge with a star. Uh, you read that earlier, right? So we, yep. we answered that yep. one. That was the one. Uh, Tandem Dooley, do the mags also have markings, and what mag works the best across all AK makes and manufacturers? We'll take the second part of that. Uh, do you guys have a an opinion on which mag works the best across all the AK platforms yeah. uh, circle 10 waffles man um i've been running them for years and years and i just they're just tough as nails um i actually like them better than running bake lights i've had more trouble with bake lights than i have with circle 10 waffle mags um, you shut your damn mouth sir <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but bake lights are the prettiest no <laughs> okay okay it, it, it's a good argument. It's a really good argument. I think uh, yeah, you're either one or the other there, uh, and you can they're fairly closely interchangeable. Um, you can't go wrong with either one, in my opinion. And and plug shameless plug shameless plug. Um, U.S. Palm mags are, are designed. Um, we're basically inspired by Circle Ten uh, Bel- uh, Bulgarian mags. So you'll see the uh, the metal inserts on the U.S. Palm mags are basically the same as the Circle Ten Bulgies. Um, the pattern on the outside is obviously a little different, um, and uh, there's some some design differences. But the uh, dimensions of the U.S. Paul mags and the um, and the metal insert on the U.S. Paul mags are uh, pretty much uh, spot on 
um, copied from the Circle Tin Waffle Mags. And the you idea just triggered, you just triggered a thought in my head on that Cyrillic question about the Bakelites. I believe, and don't quote me on this, you'll have to vet this information, but I believe the Cyrillic ones don't have metal feed lips, whereas the rest of the Bakelites, uh, some do, some don't. So you're to answer his question, it might actually not be worth the extra money because you can you're not going to have metal feed lips. But okay, that just I it triggered a thought from the other day when I was reading that article. So sure. anyways, vet that one. Yeah. Well, and, uh, anyway, on the Century mags, I'm pleased to report that it appears there's been a mold change that I think Andrew probably pushed through, um, where they now fit in our guns. So we're very pleased that that. Uh, let, yeah. let, me, let me go ahead. And, and dash your hopes there. So um, we've, we've started making a, a 30R mag, which is a range mag. Um, it's a less expensive mag without the metal insert. Um, so that does change the dimensions slightly, which helps them fit into some of the Occam guns. Oh, okay, uh, with, got it. Well, with your little side plate thing, I don't, whatever it's called, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't remember what it's called. Oh, but. yeah, the Kirkham shelf, they won't fit at all. I mean, on the non-Kirkham yeah. shelf versions. We yeah, have... it should fit fine in those. Yep, yep, yeah. that, that's been... Yeah, that's what we're seeing is is that they are fitting now, which is great. Yeah, got it. Yeah, I've got the Kirkham shelf and the U.S. Palms do not fit in that. Yep, yep. You get the there's trade offs with everything, and sure. and one of the the you know Kirkham shelf uh, developed by Jeff Kirkham in Afghanistan um, adds it takes between a quarter and a second off of our pro shooters reload times, so they're. And and they work even better for beginners who don't have a really good feeling kinesthetic sense of where the mag should go. Um, it can save, you know, ten seconds if you're if you would have screwed up otherwise. But it's something that that adds value for pretty much any shooter. But the, there's a very there's a trade off there where um, waffle mags and drums are a no go. And so you know just. For those that are sure about how they like to run a gun, the Kirkham shelf is great. And if you want to be able to run all mags everywhere, um, the Kirkham shelf is not what you want. Okay. Let's go to Bailey Muller 80. Where would the markings be on the bolt carrier bolt? Uh, what countries, U.S. companies, are uh, use the best metals in their production? Uh, Century, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the where would the markings be on the bolt carrier bolt? I think we actually so, uh, we, we went over yeah, that. Let's just highlight it yeah, again. Kind of, yeah, we kind of covered that earlier. So just basically the the serial number and will be on the uh, on the side of the carrier, and then on the bolt it'll be where the step down is from where it goes from big to small. Okay, and we we serialize our bolts in the little fluting relief that's kind of an oil pocket. Um, we serialize our bolt carriers on the left-hand side, which is common with most of the European countries, like uh, for sure Hungary and I think Poland as well do it over there. Um, I haven't had the pleasure of building a Russian kit, so I'm not sure where those are, but um, that's where we stick them. Okay. Oh, and actually one of James's businesses does all of our laser engraving. So if you're a 1775 owner, all of the logos and serial numbers and everything is... Uh, uh, well, James, James has a sweatshop that his parents are on. You know, uh, if you want to look for <laughs> that, we should do a separate episode, James, on with your parents 
on how to raise <laughs> kids that will love you after they're out from under your thumb because James' relationship with his parents is really beautiful. And I I often marvel at his dad. Like, those dudes play hockey together well, still. Just like we dad, said earlier, the family that builds AKs together stays together. Yeah, so James, yeah. James probably will pumping his tires here, but he set up a whole business for his parents to run as a retirement business. And I think we should all aspire to raise children that love us enough to take care of us in our old age. And uh, so anyway, yeah, James's family, I know his dad real well. And I don't know, I don't think I've met his mom, but you know, it's, it's just a really cool thing. And so you're also you supporting a family business. Mom, What's that? So you stay away from my mom, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner Season 2 is brought to you in part by Occam Defense. The guys at Occam love the AK, but didn't love burning their hands, getting cut by their pre-sharpened gun, or the lack of options for accessories. After spending a few years in the lab, they've recently released the ODS 1775, which brings the best of the AR family to the Kalashnikov's reliability. It's still an AK under the hood. AK mags, forged Polish AK parts, but with American aerospace manufacturing practices and ingenuity. Check them out at OccamDefense.com or on Instagram at OccamDefenseSolutions. Uh, <laughs> all right, back to the questions. The Jens Reloaders, this would be a fun question for you guys. Have you ever had a catastrophic malfunction in an AK? What happened? The only accident I've ever had with an AK was um, I, I have and and children's and chill, my children loading all the mags that we were under the range with. And one time a five, four, five round made it into a mag and made it into the chamber. And I was pointing down range, pulled the trigger and I heard a funny sort of fizzling sound and um, nothing bad happened, but I did get a bunch of gunpowder in my face. Good reason to wear uh, safety glasses. And um, that's the worst that I have to talk about. I don't know if anybody else has had one. No, just trigger so Mark, issues is all I've ever had. Yeah, so, so you know how many AKs I have, Marty. You've seen a lot of them. You know how long I've been shooting them. I got my first one when I was 12. Yeah, you're 12 and you're uh, 72 now. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday, by the way, everybody. Andrew That's just like, had a birthday. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. And uh, but, um, but literally with all of that shooting, including working for AK companies and, and you know, torture testing guns, shooting, you know, upwards of thirty and 40,000 rounds out of some guns, I personally have never had an AK have a terminal failure. Now, mind you, I also don't own any bottom barrel AKs. You know, um, I've never put twenty thousand rounds through a Mahdi or you know yeah. or things like that. Um, but but truthfully, I've never personally had one. Now, saying that, I have seen people have a ton of terminal breakdowns with AK forty sevens, intentionally and unintentionally. Um, a vast majority of those terminal failures, though, have to do with ammunition. Um, so definitely when you're out there and you're buying surplus ammo, guys, look at it before you put it while you're putting in your mag. Check it. Look at it. Make yeah. sure it's safe. Um, Good so that's that's really your biggest thing with with large terminal failures and AKs. Most of the time can be ammunition related. Good point. Good point. So. Actually, that wasn't the fun question. Uh, my thumb moved, and I read that one. But that was from the Jens Reloaders. The fun question is from the Oh Yeah Guy. If you could go back in time to 1980 with $5,000 in cash to buy guns, what do you buy? Polytex all day long. Brian? 
Um, I don't know if Dragonovs were available in 1980, but there was a time when you, what they were. So I would get a mix of Dragonovs and then, um, oh yeah, the uh, Solothurn anti tank anti tank weapon. Get two or three of those. Um, <laughs> Are we talking just AKs, or are we talking anything? It says anything. If you could go back, he didn't. He didn't limit it. I mean, this is an AK show, but he just said if you could go back to 1980 with five thousand, you got five thousand dollars. Yeah, and I'm not done yet because it's 1980 dollars, and I would also get a pile of PKM machine gun kits to circle back around to the AK. That's yeah. Um, All I would buy is machine guns. I would only buy full autos because they're worth. <laughs> ah. 50 times more than they were in the 80s. Yeah. Like I, could, I could buy, like, in 1980, I could have bought a Mac, a full-auto Mac, for, like, 300 bucks plus a $200 tax stamp, and now, you know, sell them for 10 grand. Yeah. Give this man and the prize. He won that contest. <laughs> That's a poor argument because you wouldn't sell them. Yeah, no, you're right. I wouldn't. But, um, <laughs> but like, a full-auto full AK in the 80s, you could have gotten a full-auto you know, registered AK for probably around twenty five hundred bucks. Now you're talking twenty five to thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. So you would buy so, you would buy two full autos versus a whole bunch of uh, polytechs. Yeah, if you're straight up talking money for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you got five thousand in cash, and you're going back to the eighties. I, I five thousand's five thousand, I guess, no matter where yeah. you're at. I mean. If you took five thousand worth of gold, then you got even more money. But oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So all right, that's like, a, that was a fun question. Actually, actually, five thousand dollars in machine guns would be a better payoff than five thousand dollars worth of gold. Well, yeah, nowadays, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for investment, though, I'm flipping through this AK book right now, and it's got ads scanned in here from back in the day. It doesn't yeah. say the exact dates. Like, here's Norinco Mac 90s for one hundred dollars. Yep, here's a sale. Bucks. Here's a sale for for Chinese drums, five ninety five each. Oh wow! <laughs> you guys I don't know. I don't know what era this is, but five grand could go a long way if you're looking for an investment. Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, our mutual friend uh, James Yeager. Uh, <laughs> what he would be screaming right now is, "You guys yeah. don't understand. These are the good old days." And uh, <laughs> what he means is it'll nothing in guns will ever get cheaper, yeah. especially with how volatile things are right now. I mean, right now things are high, but like you can still get 30 rounders off the shelf and that might not. I'm yeah. not saying there won't be a war if they're not available on the shelf. I'm just saying like it's it's always a good time to buy ammo and guns and magazines. There you yeah, go. Like, like, for instance. This Chinese drum right here in my hand, in this pouch, this Chinese pouch, so it's like a, you know, for the listeners, it's like a green canvas pouch with wooden button loops. I bought three of these when I was probably 15 or 16 years old, and they were eight ninety nine each. That was Did the you drum want to sell them? Pouch. <laughs> hey, Andrew. I'll give you $10. Oh, no way, man. <laughs> You can double your money right now. <laughs> <laughs> a hell of an investment. You twenty dollars each right now. But yeah, these are oh. cool, and they're even padded on the back so they don't bang you up on the. All right, we're gonna move on with our questions. Uh, 
red light and orange stripes. Uh, no question, but I just want to say thanks for organizing and keeping the AK Corner going. Always look forward to each episode and enjoy the content. Thanks for the hard work and keep it up. Well, thank you guys for the support because without you, the listeners, uh, and the participation that you guys uh, put into uh, sending me emails, responding to our post, uh, we wouldn't be doing this. So thank you guys. And thank for our sure. sponsors too. Thank our sponsors. All right, let's go to Facebook. Did you see more on Instagram you guys wanted to answer? Or you want to, you're going to jump to Facebook now. Let's see. Brad Reynolds, what's the difference between a Wasser 10 and a Wasser 1063? On the bolt carrier, what does the circle with the F in the middle mean? On a Wasser 10? So he wants to know first what what's the difference between a Wasser 10 and a Wasser 10-63. Now, as far as that, that bolt marking, I do not know, um, but I'm assuming it's a proof mark. I don't know exactly which marking it is. So the deal with Wasers is um, – so Century brought, has been bringing Romanian product into the country for years and years and years and years. So there's a lot of Wazers that were brought in as complete guns before the ban, like thousands and thousands of like actual surplus Wazers, um, you know, guns that were manufactured in the 60s and 70s and early 80s um, that were brought into the country. And then there's a ton of Wazers that are brand new, Beta Cougier brand new guns that are just manufactured and shipped. Um, so there's a lot of different variation out there in the market. Um, but the 1063 is um, is basically the single stack receiver gun um, with the chrome line barrel. There was, there was like anywhere from the 60s to the probably the 80s, maybe late 80s could have been manufactured, um, like as far as the barrels go. Um, you'd have to really look at the serial number to know for sure. Um, but uh, but they were brought in and then machined out, basically. So they were made off kits. Um, it was an early um, an early version to get around the band, basically. So they would change the pick the parts, put them on a single stack receiver, ship them to the U.S., and then we would convert them. But those, So they were technically surplus rifles as opposed to a new manufactured rifle like they are now. Okay. Anybody want to add to that? <laughs> All right. Uh, Frijole Breeze, which means bean fart. Are there other features that give similar information like the markings, such as a unique parts, fasteners, or assembly techniques that should also be considered or used in identifying and understanding AKs? Yeah, I think, you know, the rivet pattern on the Chinese or, oh. yeah, I'm sure you guys have talked about the, you know, obviously the Yugos being quite different and um, but as far as, you know, some of the more common ones, I mean, Hungarians pretty much stand out. You can look at uh, the wood furniture, like handguards, whether they have a palm swell or not. Um, I don't know. Sights. Anybody else got anything that kind of would be an identifier? I mean, a hooded front sight's a pretty good indicator. You're already looking at Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, Hungarian trunnions are squared off in the front if you take the handguard off um, instead of there being kind of a chamfer on the left and right side like at 4.30 and 7.30 um, yeah. on the clock face. On the Hungarian ones, they're straight across the bottom. Generally, the profile, the squared off front 
on a trunnion where the barrel pin is that generally is associated with china but um i've seen modis that have it as well um don't know if they got their parts from china or what because i've seen them both ways um but it's it's not a bad thing um yeah, I think furniture is definitely a good a good starting point too, because like you know German with their pebble stocks and you know laminate versus the regular. There's Hungarian furniture pretty much stands out, especially like um, having the backwards front pistol grip. Uh, you know, the reverse dong cool. is the technical term for that, James. Please yeah, reverse well, dong. No, <laughs> the Romy dong and Hungarian reverse dong. No, any dong is a dong. good identifier. You know, you're already you've already eliminated a lot of countries. <laughs> yeah. uh, John L U E C K E. How would you say that? Lucky. Lucky. We'll call him know, Lucky. It sounds like an we'll call him lucky john lucky i'm enjoying the ak corner i'm trying to make sense of all y'all are saying now my question i'm thinking of putting an ak in my shooting collection where do i start i don't like the stock stock are the variants easier on the shoulder are different ones uh do different ones shoot differently thanks john you're not going to like my answer and i apologize don't change the stock stock Instead, do some training. There you go. That's that's the. Uh, it sounds blunt. It sounds mean. It's the truth, though. I used to hate it. Also, I felt like it was just pounding my shoulder. Shoot a twelve and gauge you, and then go shoot your AK. Yeah. Well, and you know, I had a I had a, a moment recently, um, and actually, I saw this last year, but it got reinforced this year. I went and uh, observed part of a Sunny Pazikas class, and this year I went and took one, and. Um, he did a demonstration that blew my absolutely blew my mind where he put the AK like balanced it on his arm and pressed the trigger to debunk this recoil thing. Mm -hmm. And the AK doesn't jump off your hand or off your arm, off your forearm. It's there's hardly any, like it goes back, undulates back and it undulates forward and it stays in position other than that. And so this concept of it pounding you, only happens if you're tensing up and driving into the system as it's trying to drive back. But if you loosen up and you learn how to f like become one with that rifle and let it be an extension of yourself, you find that it's actually a really comfortable platform to run and it stays on target a lot easier. So really it just comes down to learning how to kind of hold it, manipulate it and run it and not so much what the stock, what stock you have on it or what kind of, you know, especially in AK it's, you're limited and you're looking at possibly a big mod to do. And there's really not m anything I think is better out there. Mm. Um, no, personally. not at all. And the recoil you said, I mean, it's really not that bad for a, an AK. I mean, it's, if it's he's not. Say, if he's doing a build, that's different. I would, you know, then by all means get wild, you know, because now you get to decide your rear trunnion, which gives you tons of options. But if you're buying an AK, like, there's not a it's, a, it's a good platform. There's not a lot you need to mess with right now, you know. Um, so I'll I will give say, a, I will say personally from experience, I don't like underfolders to shoot as well. Yeah, no I don't way. Line up as well. So I do prefer a fixed stock. Um, but but underfolders do shoot well. You just have to learn how to shoot them. They're different. Um, yeah, and there, like, there's a, a fixed stock. There was a question earlier, I think, on Instagram about that. A guy asked, "What was what he? What do we prefer better, a side folder or an under folder?" And and so I will pull that in real quick. Sure, yeah, I ahead. would agree. A side folder would absolutely be, to me 
preferable than an underfolder. I think underfolders are ne- unique and cool, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so you're right. I don't There's like def- shooting them, but I love it's an acquired them. feel. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a different take on this, um, but um, I think for uh, average size males, I don't really disagree with either James or Andrew, um, but you know, there no no individual is average. Uh, they everybody has something different about them. Um, for me, I have really long arms, and um, the standard AK setup does not serve me well. The stock is fine, but the the handguard where it is is really close into my body, and I prefer to. I don't do the full Costa, but I go most of the way down the handguard when I'm when I'm being comfortable. And if I do that on a standard AK, I'm getting a third degree burn pretty quickly. So, um, but it, with respect to stocks, my wife is maybe five foot two, something like that. She's really small. She can't even shoulder a standard AK. Um, it doesn't, she's bladed out so far that it's, it's ridiculous. So it really does depend on who you are as a person and, and what your build is, whether you have any disabilities. Um, but the rear trunnion, which a whole bunch of different folks are doing, we've moved to it as as standard for exactly this reason that um everybody's built differently everybody has different preferences and with the 1913 rear trunnions emerging as a standard with one screw you can change out your stock and it's literally two minutes and and you've got something completely different um the sig side folding telescoping stock i think marty's running that most of the time on his 1775 regardless of what no sir i switched to the uh the Occam uh, honeycomb. Yeah, the hex there. Yeah, yeah I like or, it much I know, better. I know you got to call it the honeycomb. I call it the hex. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, the other real issue that he's talking about with being easier on the shoulder is the ma- the vast majority of felt recoil on the shoulder is due to the bolt carrier on an AK. And the standard gas aperture on the barrel Mm, is yeah. sized for a machine gun and it has to be it's massively overgassed so that it will function at negative 45 fahrenheit and and still be fine um several companies were certainly not the first rifle dynamics has been doing it for forever has necked that aperture down and the difference in felt recoil is pretty amazing without having that bulk carrier rocketing into your shoulder all that said what james said about you know, Sonny Pazikas's lecture is very correct. Uh, if you kind of softly cradle the gun, you have way less felt recoil and beat, you know, your shoulder getting beat up than if you're really hugging it hard into your shoulder the whole time. And um, it's worth doing. You know, one one thing that I do as a party trick to show new shooters is that I and I'm big enough to do this, but I can just shoot an AK rifle like it's a pistol, and I just put an outstretched arm and hold it one handed, and you know, I'll ring steel or something like that to just show that there's nothing. This is not a, a 12 gauge with three and a half Magnum Turkey loads in it. You know, it's 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 a a pretty tame cartridge, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to leave John hanging either. I, I I looked at the question a little more depth, and he, you know, it wasn't just about the stock. It was about are other variants easier on the shoulder, and the answer would be yes in that regard. That uh, obviously, uh, import guns and things were built for a different purpose, and a lot of guns are built, especially like some of the later Russian guns, are built very sloppy. So 
they're they're overgassed. There's a lot of overgassing, and that does contribute to that. So you're 100% right. Um, getting a gun that's more tuned to you. So my recommendation for him, he says, is there you know where's the starting point? I would suggest, and this isn't to be shameless or because we're sitting here on the show together, but I would suggest looking at um, the Occam gun for that reason because, like you said, it comes from factory with the option to change out the stock, and you have. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more tuned, it's more refined. So, or, you know, some of these quality American companies are, are putting out some stuff. The Visca is a very cool. smooth shooter. It's very, that's a very shooter. Nice. Um, there's, like I say, you know, some of these, some of these modern, more modern American production probably, um, would be, uh, a good, a good opportunity to look at, I guess, if I was starting yeah, I guess, out. Um, just to throw my two cents on that, um, I've, I've been able to spend some time with the Occam gun. I think it's a fantastic rifle. Um, it really depends on on his budget. Um, if it's if it's something, if he's looking for a high speed, kick ass, decked out, I mean, you know, bad mofo of an AK, by all means, gets you an Occam 1775. It's got all the bells and whistles, whatever you can think of to put on it. He's put on it. It's ready to rock and roll. If you're looking for something more in your budget, um, you know, that that's a different story. But if you're looking for a high speed, you know, badass AK, absolutely. The Occam is, is a great option. And it is got, you know, the gas system's a little more regulated, so more, more refined um, type of AK build. Um, but, you know, that, like I said, that depends on your budget. It's also something that you can buy a standard gun like a Visca, you know, like a Wazer, like, you know, whatever. And then add certain parts from companies like Occam or Rifle Dynamics to get that result as well. So you can kind of build it as you go. Um, so he's got multiple options. He just has to figure out his budget, I would say. You can also get a really fly hoodie at Factory 47. It'll cushion some of that blow on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. You know, and that's yeah, a perfect lead in. Yeah. Why don't we give away um, one of your swag packs right now? Let's do All that. All right, perfect. Let's How do that. How are we doing that? So, what we're, so you're giving three away, and yep. um, you're going to have a shirt, a hat, and a, a mug. Uh, a tumbler. A tumbler yep. uh, in that. So whoever the winner is, you're going to shoot me an email with your shirt size um, so we can get you the, the right shirt size. Um, but let's do that. So we'll start with uh, let's start with Brian. And, Brian, what I want you to do is uh, from Instagram and uh, Facebook, what uh, question really stood out to you, and uh, that's who who the first winner of this swag pack is going to be? Just pick out your favorite question. And I'm going to go to each one of you two, so go ahead and start looking for yours too, um, Andrew and James. You know, I've got a couple in mind already. Okay. John Luke, I think with his stock question, that provoked a bunch of good answers, and I think it's a good question. So, yeah, let's. Let, I'm picking John here. Okay, so John, L-U-E-C-K-E, however you pronounce that, shoot me an email, talkinglet.gmail.com, and uh, you're going to win one of uh, Factory 47 swag packs with the shirt, the hat, and the tumbler. uh, Give me your shirt size, too. Quick shout out to my boy Sam Russell, Dickie the Third, and I think there's a few other guys running around in here that are my boys. So thank oh, yeah. you guys for the questions. Yeah, a lot of seventeen seventy five lead heads out there. So yep. um, if your if your hoodie size is different than your shirt size, send both. Okay, so there might be a hoodie in here too. Okay, there's, right. a, there's a hoodie, shirt, and a tumbler. So if it's yeah, if you have two sizes for that, you know. Oh, a hoodie. Send both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a hat. I'm sorry. 
Why do you want a hat? <laughs> want to do a hat or a hoodie? No, a hoodie. So I, I don't know. For some reason, I was I was thinking a hat, shirt, and a tumbler is what you were doing. So okay, hat, hoodie. Shirt, no, hoodies tumbler. are great. Fine, sure size. These guys are going to be <laughs> straight. All send whatever you want. Right? Send whatever you want. We'll figure this out. All right. So, um, Andrew, you go next. Um, I got to go with the uh, the five thousand dollars in nineteen eighty question. That was definitely the most fun. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that came from Instagram. Let me go back. Yeah, 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 that that was a fun question. That was a good good question. The oh yeah guy. Okay. The oh yeah guy. So the oh yeah guy. Shoot me an email talking at gmail dot com with your shirt size and your hoodie size if it's different and. you're going to get a swag pack from Factory 47. That was, that was the one I was going to pick, so now I'm like frantically digging here trying to find another one. There you go. Uh, sorry, dude. It was a good one. It was a good yeah. one. This, this and it may have been one, one that we didn't read, too. So, I mean, just whatever. Uh, doesn't have to be one we read. Tandem Dooley with the uh, D the Mags. He wins a lot, so maybe he... He at least gets a shout out for what what mag is best across all AK makes and manufacturers and stuff. Yeah, great, great question, great question. I like this one too. What is the most rare AK variant you've ever held? I'm I'm just curious what your guys' answers are on that. So I thought it was a good question. Okay, yeah, let's uh, answer that and then we'll announce who that was and he'll be win the next swag pack. All right, I, I just no. I just lost it again. I gotta go find it. <laughs> I remember, I was gonna ask that one, but. Um, uh, that was Dicky the third. That was my homeboy. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah Dicky. That's on Instagram. He's one of them hardworking Americans that's still showing up and keeping people with their power on and long time leadhead too. Yeah. So, what is the most rare AK variant you've ever held? We'll start with Brian. Uh, it is a North Korean milled deal that was a uh, a bringback, and um, the thing is really really beautiful i think it was restored in part by john at m13 industries nice james i i also held that north korean but uh so i'm I'm not sure if this is more rare or not but uh a type one all original fully functioning full auto and that was pretty uh pretty cool nice and didn't shoot man i don't even know i've I've played with so many. Right. Um, but, I mean, it would definitely be a full auto, one of the full auto guns. Um, so I've actually got to shoot a lot of original um, Chinese full auto guns, which has been pretty cool. Um, but just holding them, I don't know, man. I've, I've held some guns in some museum collections that were pretty rare. Um, I mean, but obviously, I don't think I've ever, I've ever held anything as rare as the North Korean gun. I mean, that's probably one of the rarest gun- AKs there is in the U.S., um, I mean, what are there? Maybe like four or five known. It's something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I mean, as far as rarity, I don't think I've held anything as rare as I've never. I've I've seen pictures of North Korean guns. I've never personally held one, but I mean, I've I've shot a lot of all original, you know, Chinese full autos, Russian full autos, different stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just from being doing what I I do for so long, I've gotten a lot of cool opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with me. I've I've had the opportunity to shoot, shoot some some pretty cool stuff. When I went over to Poland, uh, yeah, that that's right. that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. I got to shoot a lot of really cool uh, Eastern Bloc full auto uh, guns. Probably 
one of the coolest, I guess, was the um, the German gun. I mean, this is not an AK, but it was a German gun that was actually used in the assassination of, uh, was it Bernhardt? I can't remember what the guy's name was. Um, but the gun didn't kill him. Actually, it was a grenade that killed him. The gun malfunctioned. Uh, but this guy had the gun in his collection. And uh, wow. I got to hold it. I, I did a post on uh, Instagram. Uh, about it, so you guys. Uh, like the 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 assassination that ha- that started World War One, like Franz Ferdinand or whatever. No, 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 no. It was World War Two, and it was uh, okay. Uh, the the big German guy that was like giving credit for all the atrocities and stuff. Uh, I'm trying to find my post here where I just I posted. <laughs> which I read- one? Like, yeah, exactly. Right, which one? <laughs> That's well, the they're still pretty doing... rare guns. <laughs> I yeah. wish they weren't as rare, but they're pretty rare still. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Fuck it. Anyway, that's probably the uh, like the most significantly historical gun that I've ever hit, held. All right, so that was the winner was Dicky the Third. Dicky the Third. Yep. All right, Dicky. Uh, shoot me your uh, contact info, your shirt sizes, hoodie sizes, and we'll get those over to James, and you win the uh, the third swag pack there from Factory 47. So, James, thank you for uh, rewarding our listeners uh, with that. Yeah. Uh, I know they're no going to appreciate yeah, it. If you, don't mind, uh, if you don't mind, I have a coupon code for uh, everyone else that didn't win if they're interested. Absolutely. Talking lead, all, all lowercase, at factory47.com, 10% off. Your entire order. So Fuck yeah, dude. Thank lead you. All- Talking Absolutely. lead is the discount code. Use that at checkout, and you're gonna get a ten percent off your purchase there at Factory Forty Seven. Everybody's a winner on the Talking Lead Everybody's podcast. Everybody's a winner. Um, got, you, when you talk you about AKs, been, if you guys haven't been to Factory Forty Seven's website too, you guys, if you're AK guys, you got to go check it out. He has so much cool shit, and y'all know I love AKs, but. I was actually looking around. I've got one of his Clash Nicola patches somewhere. Have you got one of those? Yeah, those yeah, are nice. somewhere. I gotta find it. I think it might be on one of my badges from Shot Show or something hanging around. Somewhere. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, he has a bunch of like really cool. Like if you're an AK nerd like the rest of us, like you're gonna get on his site and like freak out. But remember, it's Factory Forty Seven and Factory's FAK, not FAC. Yeah. And, see what uh, I did there? We put AK Forty Seven in the name. Yeah. You know what? Even out. your last name has AK in it. I know, right? CZ and AK. Hey, you got a badass last name, dude. Yeah, <laughs> man. Thanks. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's it. <laughs> F-A-K-T-O-R-Y-47.com. And uh, t- that's awesome, dude. Thank you so much. 10% off, oh, Leadheads. And I oh, think thanks. everything except patches is made in the U.S. by Americans and veteran-owned companies, as far as I know. The the big um, his partner on the shirt side is a big-time cool guy. American has done a bunch of good stuff, and so you're supporting the people that we love, who love liberty, going downrange, and all that. So it's a big deal. Yeah, and and. Everything we've been talking about today, all the the symbols and stuff like that, he's got a lot of those um, on the shirts, on the hats, on the hoodies and tumblers and stuff too. So that's yep. that's uh, pretty cool. Ties in perfect with the show. Yeah. So wasn't that awesome giveaway? I mean, we reward yeah. the leadheads here on the uh, the AK corner, talking lead AK corner, presented by Century Arms. 
Um, but that's it. You know, that's our finale, season finale. This was our 12th episode, and it was a great run. Absolutely. What? What'd you say, Andrew? Let's give away an AK. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. We're giving away. <laughs> we're giving away an AK too. <laughs> Generator like pulled up. I'm like chomping at the bit. I'm ready to go. All right. So, uh, everybody that took part on Facebook and Instagram, these are the eligible parties. So I went through and I assigned a number to everyone. So number one is Dan L. Americano. Number two is Ed Burton. And and let me clarify this. This is as of when we were recording. So if you put your question in after this, sorry. So these are all the people as of this recording that took part. All right? Number three is Brett Bedal. Number four is Matthew Lade. Number five is Kenneth H. McGee. Number six is Jay Allen, also Jason Edgar. Number seven, Sam Russell. Number eight, Frijole Breeze, Bean Fart. Number nine is John uh, Lucky, that name that we don't know how to say, L-U-E-C-K-E. Number 10, Nathan Shepard. Number 11, Brad Reynolds. Number 12, Red Lights and Orange Stripes. Number 13, John Adams III. Number 14, Robots WTF. Number 15, Mustang Perry. Number 16, Matt Cousins 1982. Number 17, Dickie the Third. Number 18, Brian will like this one. It's our good buddy FPS Murdoch. Heck yeah. 19, Tandem Dooley. Good old Dooley. He's been on the show a few times, too. Number 20, Lotan89. Number 21, Rabid Porcupine58. Number 22, Giddy Up. 23, and this is uh, The Gens Reloaders. 24 is The Oh Yeah Guy. 25 is... What is this? Something fist. I can't even read my own writing. In Insta fist, gangsta fist. <laughs> Something fist. You're the only one that's got fist in your name. So, twenty six <laughs> is Arnold and Sarah. Twenty seven, Big Papa. Twenty eight, CRS Hokey. 29, Make Me Famous. 30 is Bird Brain Industry. And 31 is Barry Mueller 80. So we got 31 entries. Everybody's been assigned a number. Andrew, are you doing the random numberizer? Oh, yeah. I, I got oh, go you for got it. it. You got to pull it up. Pull it up. You got it. Go for it. All right. Since, since right. Andrew is Century Arms, we'll let, we'll let Andrew do it. And uh, you're using a Google numbers numberizer? Random number us? Google random number generator. All right. So hit it and let's see who our winner is. One through 31. Number 10 is our winner. Number 10, Nathan Shepard. Congratulations, Nathan Shepard. You just secured yourself a Vishka, Century Arms Vishka. And tell them about the Vishka 
uh, Andrew? Um, well, it is our um, our current uh, standard AK main uh, gun that we have on the market. It's 100% U.S. manufactured. Uh, um, it uses 100% machined uh, trunnions. So the trunnions are actually machined from uh, hardened tool steel. So they're not forged or cast. They're actually machined. Um, uh, it's also got a nice parked finish. Um, pretty awesome gun. We do. Uh, we've sold quite a lot of them. It may take us a bit to get him that AK, but we've got it. We're making as many as we can every day. As everyone knows, there's quite a run on uh, on guns right now. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, we'll enjoy it. Um, I know Marty's got one. I've got several. Um, definitely great shooting AK, and you'll have a lifetime of fun with it. There you go. There you go. So congratulations, Nathan. And uh, thank you all you lead heads. Thanks to all you lead heads for taking part and making season two of the Talking Lead AK Corner such a success. I couldn't have done it without you guys. And, uh, you know, we're in talks on doing a season three. So if you want a season three, send our sponsors messages, letting them know that you want to continue this uh this awesome education that we give you guys each and every month with the Talking Lead AK Corner. And uh, I, I would love to do it again. I would love to continue this. So, like oh, I said, yeah. we've got plenty more to talk about. There's no shortage of, of topics uh, that we can get into here. So, let's keep this train rolling. So, in the meantime, if you want to get your AK fix and, you know, you want to go out and see some cool AKs and maybe take part in some shooting competitions – uh, Red October was canceled, but uh, Kalash Bash is still going to happen, and Brian's got some info on that. So tell him about Kalash Bash. Oh, you know, Andrew has the info on Kalash Bash. Just very briefly on Red October, it was not their decision. Oh, the, okay. way the, the way the liability laws work in Nevada, if anybody got sick at that event, Red October and everybody else would be on the hook for any damages associated with that. This uh, is a problem that needs to be solved very quickly because the idea that business owners are liable for whether somebody gets sick in their establishment, that's just, you know, tort law and, you know, civil law in general in this country is a mess. And if those kind of laws continue with COVID, I think it'll be really chilling for anybody looking to get into business or to continue to do business. So mm -hmm. to the degree that people can make their voices heard to local and, and regional authorities that this is BS and that we need some protection for small business, um, that'd be very cool. Good deal. So, uh, Andrew, Kalash Bash. So, as of now, Kalash Bash is still happening. Um, it is... October 9th and 10th, I believe. Um, it's uh, at a range outside of Houston, Texas. So it is in Texas. This is a rescheduled event. It was originally supposed to happen in April. Free America. October. Do what? I said Texas, free America. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know. Um, I guess go to their website to get more information. I'm not really sure um, on specific details on the event, except for Century Arms will be there. Um, representing the shooting so uh if you guys are in the texas area or the houston area or want to come out that area for the event i'm sure you can uh check out their social media or their website or whatever and find out more information but that, that's the only thing i know about clash bash is that it is as of today it is still happening okay uh and are you aware of any events or anything going on uh james ak related I am not 
I am not. I was uh, sitting here listening diligently to the updates on the two events that I did know about. Okay. Uh, and you can also, um, you know, train, 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 train until, you know, season three gets here. Uh, 212 Training Group uh, still running their training all over the country. We're in talks with them right now to come to Nashville and work, uh, work a uh, AK-specific training class uh, at Royal Range USA. We'll give you more details once we get that all ironed out. That's going to be next year sometime, beginning of next year. Uh, but I know that they still have classes that are filling up. You can look at um, here in Camden, Tennessee, uh, at, um, shall we say, James Jager, but what's the name of his fucking uh, Tactical Response. Thank you, Tactical Response. Still uh, up and running and very good, very relevant training. Um, and, and they train outside, so if you have some concerns, you know, wear a mask and, and get after it. You know, COVID does not live outdoors in sunlight for very long at all. I think gunpowder uh, kills it too, so you're, yeah, yeah. You, you, I think it's proven. testosterone. Testosterone well, seems to have something to do with it. Yeah. So. And, and, and Tennessee, you can't get it until after 1030 at night, so you're totally fine. That's just oh, Nashville. That's just in Nashville. Oh, Anywhere else in Tennessee, okay. it's you know you're fine. You don't you don't got to worry about it. Yeah. In Nashville, you only get it after ten thirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. But in the meantime, keep those emails, uh, social media messages coming in to me. If you've got suggestions for shows, guests that you want on the show, send those to me. Talking at gmail.com. And if you're a past winner and you've not received your prize yet. Uh, because as Andrew mentioned, you know, the world has been uh, crazy, and especially for the firearms industry, uh, they're way behind on uh, you know, ammo and guns and things like that. So uh, shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com. Let me know the episode that it was and what you won, and I'll check into it. And uh, uh, we want to make sure that you get your prize. So That's it, guys. Uh, season finale, great show. What a way to go out for season two. Century Arms. Occam Defense Solutions, Red Army Standard, uh, U.S. Palm, IWI U.S., Canic USA, go show them love, and, of course, Factory 47. You've got that awesome discount code now that you can use. All lowercase, talking lead, you're going to get 10% off. Go use it. James, thank you so much. Give your uh, website and social media one more time. Website is factory47.com. Instagram, Facebook at factory47 with a K. With a K. Uh, and then in the meantime, go watch uh, Red Dawn again, Let Hits. And thanks so much for having me again. Absolutely. We'll see you in season three, Let Hits. Outtakes, outtakes, outtakes. Let me try stopping my camera then. I can see the screen. Okay. I I think Marty that you just special needs. So there it is. I guess. Um, cool. I, I sent everybody a Google Docs link, but some people don't get it. Oh, I must have missed that email. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do that every show, and for some reason, you never get it. That's <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's a shitty one. I did a really good one. Oh, well, let's... let's Let me see if I can link mine in. Let's put a good one, and we'll ditch my shitty one, then. No offense. No offense. <laughs> hey, Marty.
Hey. Can you hear me okay without my without my mic? Uh, hey, you sounded better with it. Well, yeah, but I didn't charge my phone up, and of course I can't have my earphones and my charge phone charging at the same time. Really? So I only got thirty percent. Oh, you suck. I know I'm stupid, but let me get some more juice, and I'll put it on when we start the show. And you're good. But we did have a really good outpouring from uh, social media, so we've got a lot of questions that we can uh, we can field today too. I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to go through those and just kind of. Yeah, I, I looked at a bunch of them. Okay, and I know Andrew doesn't have social media, so fuck you, Andrew. That's my jam. Thank you. Perfect. Cool. All right, I'm going to go around the room. We'll start with uh, Andrew. Let me hear you. Charlie Tango Tea Kettle Barbecue. You got me. Yes, no. We good? Yep, yep, yep. David Martin Putin farting. David Martin Putin farting. Yeah, you're good. All right, Brian. The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. The human torch was denied a bank loan. I like scotch. <laughs> Scotchy, scotch, scotch down in my belly. Okay, you're good. And James, one more time. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. We just talked about that last episode. That's awesome. Love it. It's the 80s, man. Okay, cool. I'm just asking. No, I've already got everybody's name and I got everybody numbered. Oh, you do? Oh, shit. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I've already. Usually not that. That's why I'm asking. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I am usually this prepared. Can you guys hear that compressor running in the background? I thought it was your uh, butt vibrator for watching Pornhub. <laughs> you were not wrong. I was just trying to get you thinking of something else. That was your magic egg. I'll, uh, the magic <laughs> takes one to know one. Um, uh, no and james the mute button is your friend for sure like chair creaks and stuff i bet your studio is pretty quiet um but i make heavy use of the mute button to uh make sure that my farts and and tourette syndrome don't make it onto uh on the air <laughs> all right sounds good that's funny i think i think i'm with all of that okay sounds like you've uh, done this before i have not I have not. This is my first time on a podcast. I have been in this room, like, we've test recorded, like, probably 30, 40, but the content's not good enough, so I haven't launched my shit yet, but... It's not so good enough to listen at him. It's probably yeah, perfect. Bit of practice on the mic, but that's about it. You're going to feel a lot better about your podcast after today. <laughs> that's, that's the plan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go, oh, it's that fucking easy. What the hell? I'm going to release all the shit I've already recorded. I've already got a season. <laughs> All right, let's do this. 